Get with it, rats. <laughs> Now's your time to shine. Can't uh, just always be living off other people's pizza in the subway. Yeah. Feel strongly about this. Point. I feel like we should probably clip that off and just play it on speakers into the street. To the rats. The rats I'm to fine hear. with that. Yeah. I actually would love that. It's I'm a rat piece. Sports with Katie Nolan is presented by Coors Light, the beer made to chill. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, salt shakers. Welcome to Sports. The podcast ends with a question mark. Starts with a question. I'm Katie Nolan. She's Ashley. Hi. He's Jay. Hello. And this, your tan is offensive. This is today's question. Katie, Ashley, and Jay. My name is Liza from Baltimore. I just finished The Last of Us Part Two, the game. And I won't give away any major spoilers, but if you played... You know, there's part of the game that takes place inside what's supposed to be Central Lake Stadium in Seattle. My question for you guys is that if you're stuck in a post-apocalyptic zombie world, which city, stadium, arena, whatever, would you want to ride out the zombie apocalypse in? I personally choose Oracle Park or, I guess, AT&T Park, probably. Uh, the Giants. I love San Francisco. Climate seems pretty doable. I'd have access to the water. So I need to, like, escape or get food. I thought she was going to hang up without saying she meant it. And I got I very know. anxious. My heart was in my throat. Liza, love you. Mean it. Um, a great question. Also, shout out Last of Us Part 2, a game that I obsessed over and never talked about on this podcast because I just know you guys don't care. Um, but it's a we, really... We care about what makes you happy. Yeah, but you don't want me to go in detail about playing a video game, but it's honestly a fantastic game and they sent me a bunch of cool stuff after i bought the game myself so it was like <laughs> sick. Um, but still a really cool game that i highly recommend um apparently people on the internet were butthurt about it but i don't care i thought it was fantastic um that being said the question was if we have to ride out a zombie apocalypse in a stadium what stadium would it be my first thought was um what was my first thought? Because now it's gone. <laughs> my first thought was, thought. didn't we just make a rule where the person who calls in and gives the best answer, didn't we just make that up last yeah, week? We called it Samming. Yeah. She just yeah. Sammed, she sammed the really crap hard. out of that. Well, I don't know. Because I, what I was thinking based on when she said pool is like, what about Dolphin Stadium? You want to live don't in- they have that cool pool? I have a question. Miami? <laughs> no. Yeah, but- Miami's not the place right now. But- also, isn't this isn't AT&T- zombie apocalypse with COVID? We don't get to layer our apocalypse. Is Oracle Park like open? Like it's an open stadium, right? You can like see the bay, right? I think it doesn't so. have a top, but yeah. like a roof is the word you're looking for there, Jay. Yeah, that's that's a good one too. There's and no like wall up top. Couldn't zombies like scale the stadium and then come in and I like mean, if get you? Seen World War Z, famously, yes, they can pile. That's on what top I'm of saying. Things. So like, yeah. it's actually I don't think she sammed this at all because it's not a very good choice because zombies could just stadium. get on in there. Yeah, just well, retractable you know, roof. The Minnesota Vikings stadium is real nice, real new. It has that glass ceiling, which us ladies love. It's, uh, it's also, <laughs> if it confuses birds to the point where they're flying into it and dying, you got to assume birds are more intelligent than zombies, right? Got to. So, yeah, keep going with that thought. And so, so I would say Minnesota is probably the best choice for a stadium to ride out the apocalypse in. People are famously nice there. So nice. Um, again, roof, climate controlled, uh, best 
newest foods, you have to assume it's the best. Mm. Mm. Um, Great my memories. original thought was Denver, but also oh, yeah. but it doesn't have a like. ceiling. But yeah. I just figured the Mile Highness might um, might fuck with a zombie, but I don't know. I don't remember mm. what mm. their needs are mm. other than brains. <laughs> Which is why, again, Miami, leading candidate, not going right. to find a lot of brains there. But that would make you even more susceptible. Like No offense to Miami. It's just I don't like it as a city. It offends me. Like the zombies are going to be like, there's not enough good quality food here. I'm yeah, go that's like the else. rat apocalypse that's going on in New York right now. All the rats are or like the other the so uh, What? There's like a what? rat. There's like a rat Armageddon going on right now in New York City. Like because there are so, the rats are so hungry because none of the normal things that they eat are like, happening because so many more restaurants are closed and that sort of stuff and so there are like way more of them in the streets and like going into people's homes and stuff like that than normal it's it's the rat apocalypse maybe maybe these rats should pick themselves up by their bootstraps and watch the movie ratatouille and learn how to cook oh i thought you were going to do the christopher walken dropping the mouse into the the pool of cream and turning that cream into butter or, or that, but, it, but you said that the cream wasn't available. And so I, I think what I'm saying is if you have to, you know, learn how to make some succotash or whatever, I mean, that was a culinarily trained rat. You don't have to be a, a mis- you don't have to have a Michelin star, but like learn how to make a grilled cheese. I didn't know how to, most of the food that I normally have access to was not available, but you don't see me out in the street. Okay. I learned sure some don't. skills. I bought a loaf of bread and some butter. And I had Panera deliver me some cheese, and now I make grilled cheeses. <laughs> like, get with it, rats. Now's your time to shine. Can't just always be living off other people's pizza in the subway. Yeah. Feel strongly about this. Point. I feel like we should probably clip that off and just play it on speakers into the street. To the rats. For the rats I'm to fine hear. with that. Yeah. I actually would love that. It's a rat PSA. A little bit. Um, I was gonna I'm say going to say, with- the counterpoint oh, okay. is if you go to a stadium where there's a lot of big brains, mm-hmm. you'll be the last target for the zombies if they do mm-hmm. breach. So like oh, if you so go you to like- You want to surround yourself by stupid people. No, I'm saying surround yourself with smart people. That way they see you and they're like, oh, I don't want your brains. Well, I don't, think, work, I don't right? think zombies are like, I don't know. like I scanning they, your IQ and being like, that's the are. one. I think that it's kind of like the survival of the- the fittest so if you're the weakest link they're gonna mm. get you first okay. so i think if you surround yourself with dumb people then so i gotta surround myself with fat people green bay <laughs> <laughs> just kidding i'm coming for every city so it's not anything anybody can be offended offense offended by offense. <laughs> i think i'm gonna take uh i think i'm gonna take pittsburgh and go with either either PNC or Heinz. I think PNC. Park. Well, you could also easily move between them. That's one of the why only cities where you can be like this stadium yep. has been compromised. Yep. Plus, Across there's the a lot of there's a lot of escape options like the bridges. Obviously, like mm. I feel like you can elude zombies. How do zombies do in the water? water? It's. I'm pretty sure they can't catch you on the water, which is why I think. Well, that's, the, uh, are you thinking Game of Thrones? Is that what you're basing that off of? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, am. I wonder if White it's, Walkers. I think that's different. Like. Don't they go in the water in Walking Dead? I never saw The Walking Dead. What's up with zombies and water? Keep going, <laughs> Ashley. So I think I think um, what Liza was saying is like she has access to the water in San Francisco, and yes, they have obviously a much better climate. But I think having the river really gives you like you can go into the water like temporarily. It's not like you're putting yourself in the ocean and like you're screwed. Like there's somewhere to go on the other side to escape. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like you could certainly find a way to outsmart the zombies on the bridges. Plus, PNC is beautiful. Great food in that mm-hmm. park. Really, really good. Lots cool. of beer. Almost every significant zombie outbreak in the United States came on the heels of a hurricane, flood, or blizzard. Wow. Which suggests a water link. Hmm. Wow. Jay, you keep going. I'm going to keep researching uh, this. Well, oh. so I was, I'm actually thinking I take um, the reverse approach. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Edward Jones Dome, home of the St. Louis Battlehawks, because it's very decrepit Small. and no one's there. The zombies will think that either no one's there or B, that they've already completely exhausted the resources there because it looks like it's just so bent out of shape. So they'd be like, we've been here, we've done this. Let's move on to a larger, you know, stadium where there will be more people who are hiding out. And meanwhile, I'll be inside with my boy, Jordan Tamu, chilling. I feel like you might um, be giving zombies a little too much intellectual credit. Yeah, I was. Uh, mine was a joke that I didn't, that I got too caught up in. And then actually, thank you, you pulled me back out where you were like, that's not how it works. Jay, I don't. I think we lost you. Here, look. Several sources cite zombie aversion to water as the primary defensive strategy when dealing with zombie attacks. Bob Bankard of phillyburb.com argues that mm-hmm. water remains a safe boundary against decomposing bone biters. Other sources, however, suggest avoiding shallow water in the event of a zombie attack, as zombies do enter water and can remain underwater indefinitely. Deep water is go. okay. Zombies are too stupid to swim. So you need uh, deep water. Okay. okay. Well, that furthers my point for the Edward Jones because famously in the movie Vacation, Chevy Chase refers to the Mississippi as Deep River, which right. is right next to the Edward Jones dome. So, sure. here's another point go. to consider if you're picking one that's in a city, you got to con- you got to think about how far away you are from a city because I think zombies attack cities, don't they? Yeah, I think and, well, I mean, there's a lot of people, so I think they just yeah. go wherever so the, the again, I know my noise typically. My Green Bay thing was a joke but um, that stadium is in the middle of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. There's nothing around. And I, 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 I can't stress that enough. It is not uh, in, it's not like even Gillette, which they put in Foxborough, they like built a whole thing around it. They yeah. didn't do that in Green Bay. So it's, uh, it's quite literally in the middle of nowhere. It's well, not I mean, in, in terms of like supplies though, Foxborough might not be a bad option because you do have all those like stores and shops where you could like pop out for food. Like you're going to run out of food in the stadium. Or yeah. we just go to Wembley, which has like the most and, you bars. Know, there's, there's nothing that'll yeah, make me Wembley's a great eat. choice. Nothing I, I'd rather, no time that I'd rather eat at a Toby Keith's I love this bar than, um, than during a zombie apocalypse. That's right. That's how, that's how you get me to do it. Um, all good picks. As usual, we're not going to pick usual. one. <laughs> I'm not going to narrow it down. We're just going to list stadiums. And then Rogers that's Center it. in Toronto? Look, if we Free could go to old, if we could go to old right candlestick, <laughs> that would be good because that was like, wasn't that like right on the water? And it was like on a little island that was essentially like built to be the, not an island, but it, you know, a peninsula, peninsula. or something that was mm-hmm. like basically the shape of it. And it was perfect. Now then they moved it. So Levi Stadium is not in the same area. It's tough. This mm-hmm. is just me scanning my brain to think of stadiums mm. prep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I think we popped out some pretty good answers. Yeah, those are pretty good. Are there any underground stadiums that we're not considering? Underground it, stadiums? I don't think any so. Any stadiums built up in a tree on stilts in any like way? Like the CERN? You're talk- <laughs> yeah. No, no treehouse stadiums. Any sort of stadium with a, with a moat? Do we have, is there a stadium <laughs> with a deep moat? 
Ooh, Just the whole way around it. No. That would right. be the best. The drawbridge. I wonder if, so wait, wait, I wonder if, does like, where they do like polo matches and stuff like that, does that count? I feel like there are moats sometimes. But it's, I was going to call her Sam because you sammed it. Stop samming it. What? Am I frozen or are you all frozen? Uh, you froze for me. We're still doing the stadium bit, right? Katie's gone. One person is. One person <laughs> is Jake. <laughs> okay, while, it, while it lasts, guys. Oh, uh, yeah, I think Wembley was actually the best choice. Ooh. I mean, it, there's of- not, I don't know about the escape routes in Wembley. I'm really worried about self-preservation here. I do like the access to all the alcohol. That's a big yeah, one. Yeah, I think that's, that's really the most crucial. Anyway, as I was saying before my internet went <laughs> shit, uh, Liza, thank you for your question. If you're listening and you have a great question and, and not a good answer, you have a great question that you want answered, not one that you already know the correct answer to, <laughs> you can always leave a voicemail at 860. I think you froze there for a second. 860-506-5571. And do that, you know, because look, you're sitting at home and um, we only got like six voicemails last week. So we need some voicemails. Yes, please. Again, without answers, if you could. <laughs> Just a pressing question you don't have the answer to. Hi. Hi. How are we all doing? Oh. Jay, you're tan. It's, we need to talk about it. This is an intervention. I have one thing going for me, guys, and it's this tan. I don't I'm know. Your hair is getting like sweet how close, flow. How close are you to man bun? Um, still a little bit of a ways. But like, I mean, ideologically, I he's top, there. <laughs> That's what I mean. Top knot is, I just want the outside to reflect the inside, you know? Yeah. Top knot is close. Oh, um, man bun, probably <laughs> a few more months down the road. But. It's a good thing you don't have a dog because uh, Myrtle treats me completely differently when my hair is down because my hair has not been down in six months. And then when I wear it, it down, a, she's it like- It is a good thing I don't have a little thing that constantly is around to love and support me emotionally right. during this like completely normal and not yeah. at all strange time. That was my point. I agree. It yeah. is a good yeah. thing you don't have well, a dog that won't well make said. eye contact with you when your hair is different. And how it always is. She's encouraging me to be lazy. I try, we, and she's like, I don't like you. Who are you? How I mean, is Mark? We haven't had a pup date in a while. She's good. She's uh she's starting to chill out. She's getting to her six month spot. Oh my gosh, already? Yep. Holy so I mean, cannoli. her birthday has been listed as either January 4th or January 23rd. So um she's Close either six months old or she's she's five minutes, five days away from you or me. Yeah. <laughs> So she, you know, that means, as everybody knows, we stopped giving her lunch as of six months. So that'll be a nice thing for mommy that the middle meal uh, goes away. And I read an article this week about like dogs adjusting to us all being home because quarantine, which obviously Mm. Myrtle's a little bit different because we didn't have her pre-quarantine. This is the only existence that she's known. Um, But it basically was like, you've got to leave your dog alone for long extended periods of time because they're going to, they're going to start to it's going to be bad when you all leave, which yeah. I'm like, ha ha ha, when are we all leaving? But um, <laughs> either way, I also, I think she's a little bit, um, she's like ahead of the game in the sense that she loves her crate because we are crate training her. So like a lot of the, the article was like, you know, put your dog in her crate and leave her alone and go into a different room and like get her used to being isolated. Um, they were like tether her to furniture or put her in her crate. And I'm like, oh, that's what Myrtle's whole existence has been so far. Cause she's a puppy. So it's not like a new thing for her, but it's just like, I'm trying to put her in her crate and then like go in the other room to do work and like basically stay there all day. Or if I like can leave the house, if I can, that way she's like, thinks she's alone. And that way, if she panics, we can deal with it while we're actually here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but 
in preparation for when we're not actually here. The person having the hardest time with that is Dan because he gets very like, he's just a very empathetic person. So he does this with people on TV where he'll be like, oh, that guy must be really struggling with this. And I'm like, he's not you. He doesn't struggle with that. Or like the dog will look at him while she's in the crate and he's like, um, I gotta let her out. I'm like, you <laughs> don't have to let her out. It's her room. And she's looking at you because you're looking at her to see if she's looking at you. So she thinks you want to give her something or you want her attention. So she's looking at you. And then he'll like, wait five minutes. And then he'll look at me. He's like, are we being so mean? We should take her out of her crate. I was like, it's not mean. It's where she lives. It's her house. Think of it as a room. But he's just always like, I took her out. I don't know. And so, you know, I have to like talk him off a ledge of like, we're not being mean to the dog by sending her to her room and giving her, it's full of toys and a comfy, fluffy bed. We're not being mean. Um, so that's the, the hardest part has been training the boyfriend, honestly. Mm. Um, <laughs> it always is. But Myrtle's doing great. She's, uh, she's 32 pounds now. Ooh. A little hefty. Um, <laughs> that's, I think that's as much as my kid weighs. Really? Yeah. Oh. That's about all they have in common, though. <laughs> uh, but she's doing good. Everything about her is great. I um, she I posted a picture of her the other day. Mariah, who has um, who has Myrtle's brother, Riley slash Jay, tweeted back at me and was like, "Why is she so small, Katie?" And it's like, "Yeah, because Jay's gigantic." That's what people um, say. And Mur- ew, Jay. That way. I have to go. That I way. truly wish I this was a go. video podcast because you could just see but Ashley and I's face at the same time. We're both like, just no to that. I didn't even mean it that way. I was. I'm sure you didn't, Jay. What the f- ever? I really. Didn't. All right. Well, this was a great. You out here playing it fast and loose on ESPN Airwaves. <laughs> see you guys later. It's like I got a couple a couple weeks left, so I'm just gonna get out here and tell everybody I'm swinging a big. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, how are you, Ashley? How's your mental health? I did. I died. I'm dead. And uh, that's it. I'm done. I how are you? Make eye contact with anyone for the rest of the Ashley, podcast. honey, how are you? How's the house? Uh, it's coming along. Yeah. yeah. That's I just what they say. My eyes closed. Um, if we're getting, we're making progress. We've been here for like two and a half weeks now. That's crazy. I guess. I know. Um, so we like, we set up the smoker slash grill this weekend and Steve made ribs, which was really exciting. Sick. I've met, uh, there's like a little playground up the street that essentially is like having a playscape in our backyard. Cause it's like, it's not anything huge. It's like slides and swings or whatever, but it just means we can like walk a block and it's right there. Mm-hmm. And they opened it recently. And like, we met another little kid that's Austin's age. And I was like, Oh man, I have like a parent friend to talk to, you know, like it was, it was really cool. I met up with um, I met up with the Jacoby squad at a oh, park. Fun over the weekend. It was really nice. We were like in Jersey or in the city. In Jersey, yeah, because they're I mean they're like trapped. The, everything I was feeling times three because they have three young kids. Yeah, in an apartment in Manhattan, and so he's trying to get away all the time, and yeah. he can't. And it, like the zoo and park is really close to my house, so we met up at at a playground. That's nice. And we got to like socially distant hang out. That's cool. Aww. I liked it. I know. So if anyone wants to come to Jersey and socially distant hang. I don't know. I wasn't invited. Well, it was it, like, I'm waiting to invite people to my house until it's closer, but there's like a couple big things. Like we're still waiting on a deck that was supposed to be done like before we moved in and hasn't even gotten started like mm-hmm. a dining room table, you know, like big things that like I want 
in You're place. still waiting on that big deck. That big, big, I can't. This is I can't do it. Guys, I can't. Can I can't do it. Fuck you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Jay? Uh, um, I'm okay. Uh, I wanted to thank all of the people who listen and participate in the reddit of this podcast you all are very very kind and said lots of very nice things there's petitions um, Jay. i know multiple I know. petitions i don't think that's and how it works but it was very kind of them it's to not make how one. i don't think it's how it works i don't either, think you can just go to sweet. disney and be like you have to hire me with a petition yeah. but it was still i was like this is really sweet multiple petitions yeah that was it was it was a lot it was like very very kind and i was overwhelmed by just like seeing all of the tweets and nice things that were people were saying. So that was really cool. Um, other than that, you know. I gonna, think my, my favorite fun. suggestions were people were like, he can still do it, right? I'm like, we're not going to have him work without getting yeah. paid. Like, he should be a guest every week for, for on the show. I'm like, well, then then it's, the issue isn't that we won't let him into the Zoom chat. The issue yeah. is that it, I think I can get, get into the Zoom. Paid. That would be good. Speaking of which, I just realized Jay hosts all our Zoom chats, so one of us is going to have to make like a Zoom account. Yeah, he said we're going to need a webinar. Like he wasn't joking. Like yeah. I don't know how to do all the things that he does. Like, yeah, which kind of leads us to official pod and or snow, snow business. Snow business. Snow business. There's no business like snow uh, business. Uh, sorry about the ad reads last week. Official pod and or oh, show yeah. business. Uh, because like we apparently there's a new system where they're like clipping off the ads and then they're putting them back in and. I guess we didn't know that. And so our ads got all jumbled. And I saw a lot of people saying that they were confused because things were in a completely wrong order. And that's totally fair and on us. And um, Jay's going to figure out how to fix it and then have no. to teach us because <laughs> we don't understand. So if it happens again today, just know it's, it's we record this thing and have fun and then it's out of our hands. And so we don't know why they do that but we've got bigger fish to fry right now. So we're not really dealing with the, sorry about the ad reads, I guess is the <laughs> official snow business. Um, okay. Should we do a mental health update? We haven't checked in. We haven't done one in a while. Yeah. Who wants to go first? Uh, I was feeling pretty down, but then when I started talking to you guys, it really helped. Just now today? Yeah. Today Aww. and yesterday. Yeah. Um, Cause it just kind of felt like there was like my health hasn't been very good recently. Mm. I think like I get really uh, like when I get exposed to sun too much, I have bad reactions. And so I've just been feeling physically like really poorly. And the, I like the lack of a light at the end of the tunnel, like really was weighing me down. Mm. And I was kind of wondering how I was going to pull it together for the pod. And then as soon as I saw you guys on the zoom, it was like, I felt so much better. <laughs> I'm sorry that you're going through that right now. Well, right now I'm feeling great. So for the next probably how long do our podcasts usually last? Six hours. Six hours. I'll feel great. Usually it takes really sixty good. to sixty to eighty minutes as we we usually keep them. I also think that the uh, the pod structure that we set out for this week that we're going to tell you guys in a second in the tease was helpful for me for exactly the reasons that we thought it would be when we talked about it last week is like setting what the pod's going to be about like a like a task a fun task and then now we're going to do it and not having to be like digging into depressing, sad news. Um, not that that news isn't important. It's just, I think what's been crushing me the most with my like anxiety is that like there's only six stories and everyone's talking about them. And so like we were always the podcast that would find the stories that people weren't spending enough time on and we would spend time on them. And now it's like 
it's only the stuff that everybody has to spend time on. And so I'm just struggling to feel like we're adding anything to the discourse. And so, uh, this is helpful because no one's doing this podcast that we're about to do. <laughs> that is for certain. A fun one. It gave me something to do. It gave me like a place to put creative energy, which I haven't had in a while, which is good. I had to, um, like I had a bunch of medical stuff last week. So I'm trying to figure out what was going on with me, which I think is connected to my mental health being garbage. And the, um, I'm on the upswing now, but the evidence of the downswing is that the lady could not find my vein to draw my blood and she poked me four times before oh, having to no. call someone else in to do it. Oh no. Um, which I hate for anybody who doesn't know, but if you know me, you know, my deathly fear is needles. And it's, I've looked into it and apparently it's genetic and like your body just shut. It's nothing to do with the pain. Doesn't hurt. Not being a baby. My body just, when medical procedures happen, I panic. It's called like a vasovagal response or something. And it sounds like bagels and you, uh, your body, like it's like fight or flight. Your blood pressure just drops really, really low and you pass out. So this was a struggle for mommy, but I got through it um, after passing out causing scene. So anyway, I've been doing, I've been, you know, it's very stressful to go to a medical facility during COVID. Um, and yeah. I didn't enjoy doing that multiple times last week or whatever week that was. So luckily um, it seems as though things are figured out. And so I should be hopefully ameliorating um and mm. and then therefore also. not in such a prison within my own mind and body so that's my mental health update <laughs> um sick i don't want to laugh because no, please it's not do. funny but i just man i wish i could give you the biggest hug please the i need it but the guy who came in when they had to call in another guy to get my blood out I was wearing a mask. My brother at the beginning of all this sent me one, uh, like two, one for me, one for Dan and 95 masks. And we've just been wearing the like regular cotton ones and saving that one for like special occasion when we would really need it and come to find out. I'm like, oh, I'm going to a medical facility. I'm going to wear the N95 mask, which like makes it, so you, it seals to your face. Yeah. So you can't, there's no air sneaking in, which is the nice way to get with the other masks. You're like, oh, this one lets me breathe. And the whole point is that you can't. So for somebody who's about to pass out, trying to like deep breath in and out with a mask on was like very difficult. And the fucking guy that came in as a mid panic attack from being stuck over and over in my arm was like, You're, you've got great breathing. Do you do yoga? And I just, I was laying down because that's what they have to do when they take my blood because I will pass out and hit the ground. I just looked over at him and made eye contact while being like, <sighs> like just stared <laughs> him down and uh, it worked because then he just went in and out and got it. So Shout out to that guy. Sorry that I, sorry that I was terrified. Sorry to this man. Um, also trying to run bits when you're, cause like, that's what I do when I want to make people around me comfortable when I'm uncomfortable. And so I was just like, the guy came in, I was like, hi, I'm a 33 year old woman who's terrified of needles. And he didn't even crack a smile. And I was like, we're not friends. <laughs> anyway, Jay, mental health update. How are you doing? Um, the best that I can. Yeah. A good uh, answer. It's a uh, complicated and very messy and tough time. And that's only because I haven't been at a beach house for four weeks. So yeah. like the other stuff is really... I mean, how, when, it, what's, is there a beach house on the horizon? A light at the end of the tunnel, at least? Um, there isn't. There's, it's actually a really big mess. And I don't Leak. need to get into the details, but like my lease is ending next month. And, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, there's like a whole lot of 
like I just basically have to make like every big life decision all at once. They're just yeah. that's the way that things ended up being. You scheduled should get a was. dog. <laughs> Um, I spend every morning, like the first eight minutes of every morning after I wake up, like looking at dogs just to like try to be happy about the day um, and then go out into the day. Uh, I was just kidding but, in case it wasn't clear. Don't get it. I know. Ashley but, and I were talking you know, about this the other day of like the reason this is also overwhelming is because we're going through like eight major life changes at one point. Rash is like, you got a dog, you moved in with your boyfriend, like you like this, your life is changing all at once. And so like- yeah. It's a lot, Jay. That's tough. Yeah, it's sorry. tough. That's okay. Um, so just gonna keep moving forward. For real, Mark though, I we have... can FaceTime you when we wake up if you want. Great. Every That'll day be start a... your day with that. That'll be a little Great. later, I think. Yeah, I'll, so. be, I'll probably have been awake for a couple of hours. Yeah, free, it's just like for your lunchtime. I wake up at yeah. 9.30. <laughs> That's like a normal time to wake up. Uh, for real, Jay, we have we got a bed. We have a guest bed. It is behind Thank me. Uh, and I'm hoping to. I have two um, dogs that you can snuggle with. Figure something out. It's a better offer than mine. I have a Casper mattress in a box. I can roll it out on the floor. But there's a lot Thank of dog you. hair. That's very kind of both of you. I'm hoping to not lose my entire home, mm-hmm. but um, we will see what happens. I think that it's like. You know, landlords are making lots of concessions with COVID, hopefully, and I think it's less, it's not, you know, it's not so much the money as it is just, like, trying to be smart about, like, how long signing another lease or whatever, so it's a big mess, and I'll surely figure something out. Fun news, though, tax day tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, that is fun. Sick. Super fun. Sorry, I just threw up all over my computer. Uh, <laughs> I know, I got the email about? back that was like, okay, good news, you're getting a small refund from this state. Bad news, you owe in these two states. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. I shot an ad campaign in Canada, and like that is costing me so much money I did not anticipate. So, shout out. Yeah. The other thing about the, ta- the tax thing is that like I sent in my check like I think two days ago and it's already gone. And I was like, wow. You, yeah, they're you guys very really quick. They don't get the money to, to you fast. You weren't going to like make sure fast. the numbers were correct and be like, oh, actually, no. we, you know, no. I don't, here's what I don't, I'll just very quickly and then we'll move on to our fun podcast. I don't understand how the government has all the information in that they can check it. And if you're wrong, they'll come for you. But I, I still have to do the taxes. Why can't they just send me a bill? Why can't they be like, here's what you owe? Why do I have to take everything I've made and pay somebody to tell me what I owe? Is it that hard? Can't the government just be like, hello, you owe this much? They would, the point of paying someone is that like, they're going to find ways for you to pay a little bit less. Yeah, but My they, we got rid it. of, we, <laughs> yeah, we got, they got rid of most of that. Now, unless your income's 1099, you can't have write-offs. No, that's so like, really stupid. all of my W, all of my income is W-2s from various different random companies for all the dumb little shit that I do in addition to ESPN. It's all W-2s. Right. I'm like, well, now I have, a... so stupid. I just yeah, want someone really to tell me, like, dumb. if I'm going to have to pay it, fine. This is my privilege. I know that I can say that, like, convenience will make it easy is what I would rather have. But I just wish the government could be like, instead of being like, we know the answer, we're going to hide it. And you go try to figure it out. And if the numbers don't match, who boy, you're in trouble. Just tell me what I f- know. But I'm an idiot, so I don't I'd rather them tests. not tell me what I owe, particularly okay, you, this year. Yeah, you'd rather them not. Um, my mom called to complain about how much she owed on taxes, and I was like, "Mom, I literally owe literally owe three times that dollar amount." Uh, so, it's stop. crazy. 
And I, really genuinely, bad. I'd feel better if I knew it was going somewhere great. Instead, I know it's not. I know it's not going to help people. It's going to help businesses that don't need it. It's not helping businesses. Anyway, okay, so that's the pod <laughs> business. Today on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, last week we said, hold on on the drum roll, I'll cue you. Last Sorry. week on the podcast, we said that we wanted to like maybe watch movies or like we were too early on our decom bracket. Now's the perfect time to watch some stuff and talk about it. Um, in that discussion, we were like throwing out movies after the podcast was over and we someone said something about the Mighty Ducks and there are famously three films in the Mighty Ducks franchise and famously three members currently of the cage. And so <laughs> the and car, so, the car, the car. Oh no. Okay. So oh, anyway, we've, uh, oh. we have decided that we would, this podcast, we would decide Ashley. I'm like no. legitimately worse than I, oh, you can't hear it? No. No, I can't These hear it. All... That's, I, I trust you. Uh, the Mightiest Duck. <laughs> so what we did is each one of us watched one film in the Mighty Ducks franchise. Some overachievers watched more than one. <laughs> um, and we are going to, we were each assigned a film and we we're going to argue that that is the best film in the franchise. The way we decided who would watch which movie is that during this loose discussion, I said the definitive ranking is 213. Jay said the definitive ranking is one no two three one two three one uh ashley hadn't said anything yet so i was like okay i'll watch the first one that i think is the number two best because neither of us could watch the second one because we both agreed that the second one was the best so ashley's gonna watch the second one i watch no ashley was gonna watch yes ashley was gonna watch the second <laughs> one i watched the first one and jay would watch the third one and then we would summarize each film and then i guess we're just gonna debate Great. I don't know. Yeah. It could be more structured, sure, but instead it isn't. And so we're just going to talk <laughs> about uh, the Mighty Ducks with some oh, fun sprinkled throughout. I have so many questions. What? Go ahead. No, just like when we get into it. Like the oh, okay. timeline of these films, is, I oh, yeah. cannot wrap my wild. head around. After watching the second film, because I watched one and two, uh, Ashley watched all three. I think I, that was clear with the overachiever comment. <laughs> Um, I watched the second one and I was like, oh, I have a, I know what Ashley's main takeaway of this is going to be. I know what she's going to argue. And if she doesn't argue this, I'm going to be upset, which is tough because you have to argue advocating for the film, but I know what your number one critique of the film is going to be. I of think. wait, of two? Of two. Oh. But you're not going to critic. we'll get into it. <laughs> We've got a lot of movies to get to. I think get it makes the most sense to start with the third one. No, I'm kidding. Um, to start with the first film, The Mighty Ducks, which came out in 1992, a simpler time. Mm. Uh, and so I will now let you know, in case you forget, about that movie. So Gordon Bombay, he's a high-powered lawyer who isn't afraid to play a little dirty to get the win, a strategy that has landed him with an undefeated court record of 30 to nothing, 30-0, since, as he notes, he doesn't count the Frazier case, which he lost, because he scored with the court reporter with, quote, an intelligent body. Stand-up guy. Yeah, but what is stand-up, I will say, is his hair. He's got sick he hair in the first film. Something that I will note later goes very far downhill in the second film, <laughs> along with Emilio Estevez's acting and the amount of care he puts into each scene. Uh, so after Bombay's boss, Mr. Ducksworth, gives him a speech about exercising restraint, Gordon peels, uh, peels out down the street in a car with Just Win on the license plate, openly drinking a bottle of beer in the snow. 
It's a kid's film and it has just begun. Um, he gets pulled over. He does not even turn down his music for the cop who asks him breath, blood or urine. And he responds, no thanks, I'm full. So we're getting a real sense of who this guy is. He's a good guy. Uh, Ducksworth uh, works at a deal on Gordon's behalf that requires him to take a suspension with pay while he serves 500 hours of community service. He even gives him a driver so that he'll be able to get to that community service in a limo. Uh, the community service, coaching the District 5 Pee Wee hockey team. Now, we know from a flashback at the very top of the movie that Gordon used to play hockey as a kid. He missed the championship-winning shot for the Hawks back in the day. His coach was a real dick about it. Like, mm-hmm. Right before he took the shot, he said uh, that you're not just – if you miss this, you're not just letting me down. You're letting your whole team down, which not a good motivational strategy for kids, I don't think, but I don't have any. Uh, but, so now Bombay hates hockey. Like earlier in the movie, someone was like, we got your rinkside seats to a stars game. And he was like, oh, hockey. Um, so anyway, he pulls up to district five practice, which is happening on a pond in a limo. And he drives that out onto the pond and then tells this ragtag group of troublemakers to practice while he sits in the limo and makes phone calls. That doesn't fly. The kids pile into the limo. They play with all the fancy stuff and Goldberg farts. And then eventually Charlie Conway's mom shows up as a recurring theme and she yells for them all to get out, which they kind of make her seem like an overly concerned mom. She has a valid point. You should not be driving a limo out onto a (laughs) pond and then letting kids run around inside of it. So she dresses down the coach um, for putting her son's life at risk. Then we get a fast motion montage. Literally, they do it in like sped up, which is like, oh man, sound effects too in these movies. Really so great many. slapstick. Yeah. Um, so we get a fast motion montage of the kids doing hijinks in the street. Like they get a dog to poop in a purse and then they put a dollar sticking out of it and a random man picks it up and sees the poop and, you know, hilarity ensues, I guess. Um, and then we find out that they have a game tomorrow. Seems very early to me, but uh, game time. So the game is against, guess what? the Hawks, Gordon Bombay's old team, who wouldn't you know it, still coached by that head, Jack Riley. Um, the rink is covered in banners that are celebrating all the Hawks championships. And then there's just one banner that's like a different color from the rest that says runner up. Um, the two men exchange some awkward words in which it appears that Riley, the guy still coaching the same peewee hockey team 20 years later, thinks that he's the winner in this situation. Uh, (laughs) That remains a question mark for me throughout the film. District 5 takes the ice. They're all wearing mismatched clothes. Most of them don't have helmets. Their equipment is made literally out of garbage while the Hawks have (laughs) uniforms. And I feel like if someone's running this league, if there are officials, this shouldn't be allowed. But what do I know? Coach Riley tells his team to run the score up because, quote, it's not worth winning if you can't win big. And the Hawks do win big 17-0. So for the team's second game against the Jets, Bombay's like, well, we need a strategy. And that strategy is going to be dive. Uh, He gives the team the slogan, take the fall, act hurt, and get indignant. The ref warns him if they dive one more time that they're going to have to forfeit. Bombay pulls Charlie aside and he tells him, dive. It's a very, a lot happened in this game. Uh, Charlie gets pinned against the boards. It's like the perfect situation where he could fake an injury. He refuses to do so and the team loses. In the locker room, Bombay yells at Charlie for disobeying him. And Charlie says, you can't make me cheat. While he and the rest of the team storm out, disgusted by their new coach. And, but also they don't know how to play hockey. That should be noted. Yeah, um, that's clear. They're upset, but it's kind of their fault. They don't know how to play hockey. Uh, Bombay then visits the guy who used to sharpen his skates, Hans. He's like hockey Santa Claus. He now works in a shop <laughs> that looks like a castle. It's like this like gigantic uh, store. Um, and he had been at Gordon's games when he was coaching District 5, the last two games. And he reminds him, you know, it's supposed to be fun. Like, that's what you hated about the Hawks was that it wasn't fun. And then he gives Gordon a pair of skates. 
Bombay laces them up at like 5 a.m. on a pond, but no stick, which anybody who plays hockey knows that if you're going to go for a skate on a pond, you're bringing a stick. Instead, he looks like Apollo Anton Ono just skating around the ice and pondering his life. Did that mean you found him attractive? I Very much so. <laughs> uh, but that's not what this is about. We don't, we don't objectify <laughs> athletes <laughs> on this podcast. For um, athletes. So then after a change of heart, Gordon visits Charlie at his home. And he apologizes and he eats dinner with him and his mom, which is very awkward. Then he goes to Mr. Ducksworth and he convinces him to donate $15,000 to sponsor the team so the kids can have actual hockey equipment and rink time. After a $7,000 shopping spree set to Marky Mark's Good Vibrations, shout out, uh, and the recruitment of two figure skaters, Tammy and Tommy, the team is ready for a real practice. So they do some passing drills with eggs to learn soft hands. And then they strap Goldberg to the net to teach him not to be afraid of the puck, which is child abuse, but in a fun way with music. (laughs) Uh, after dropping Charlie off at home after practice and then casually asking, what's up with your dad? Where'd your dad go? Um, Gordon Bombay's car gets hit with what sounds like a gunshot. Turns out it's just a slap shot from a kid in the alley. Uh, that kid, Fulton Reed, he's a football player with a nasty slap shot, but he has no idea how to skate. So the team takes him famously rollerblading through the Mall of America <laughs> in order to teach him. And apparently that works, although I have to think that there are better and much more cost efficient ways to teach somebody how to skate than to be like, let's skate past seven lids. Um, Before their next game, Coach Bombay unveils the team's new custom jerseys complete with their new name, the Ducks. The kids are skeptical at first, which is odd considering yesterday they were playing in sweatpants and Jane's Addiction leather jackets. But uh, Bombay tells them that ducks are a noble, intelligent animal and that they never say die, which is true because they can't talk he also says that if you've never seen he says you've never seen a duck fight because other animals are afraid that if they mess with one they have to deal with all of them i i have a call into david attenborough but i don't believe that that's true it seems like he's just making up facts but the kids buy it so quack 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 or whatever Um, their 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 game is against their their game is against the cardinals you know a, a famously intimidating bird um Jesse Hall scores a goal, but then, I mean, yeah, I get it. You're a St. Louis fan, but it's like they go into this big thing about how ducks aren't intimidating. They get sold on the idea, and then it's like, oh, the Cardinals. All right. I think they have great fans, though. Either way, this is a bird league. We got the Hawks, the Cardinals, (laughs) the Ducks. Um, So they play this game. Jesse Hall scores a goal. Then Carp takes one off the helmet. So uh, after some hilarious head injury humor, they got to take him out of the game, and then Fulton goes into the game, which, whoa because he just learned how to skate at the Mall of America. Um, so he learned how to rollerblade. That's true, which is- Which is not ice skating. Very like, different. <laughs> we need to talk about stopping, that. Which will come life. up in, in film two with Kenny Wu. Uh, it's not the same. So um, it's Mendoza. two to one. What? Oh, Wait, yeah, you're right. Mendoza. Sorry, sorry, okay. sorry. Uh, so it's two one Cardinals. Fulton sets up for his devastating slap shot that the other team saw him practicing during warm-up, so they're all very scared of it. Um, but it only goes into the net one out of five times. So everyone cowers in fear when he's about to take this big slap shot because they think it's going to hurt them or whatever. Uh, and then Connie swoops in, passes it to Guy Germain, who is sneaky, the best player on the team. I will yeah, no, for sure. Will Guy, Germain, Guy Germain should have been the hero of the entire uh, trilogy. And for the Guy Germain scores. The Ducks tie 2-2, and then somehow that lands them on the front page of the hockey newspaper, which I – a tie, a 2-2 tie, front page. Uh, while talking to Hans at his shop, Gordon is reminded that because the Panthers all got measles, a little detail we just gloss over, everyone but the last two teams are going to make it into the playoffs. It's a real NWSL Challenge Cup situation. <laughs> <laughs> One team sick, 
everyone else pretty much gets in. Um, he also learns that the city redrew the district lines last season, so the Hawks star player Adam Banks is actually a duck. A this rare is so messed up. Wow. It's a, it's a, a rare, a rare situation up. where redistricting yes, is a, a rare good thumbs up for gerrymandering. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, so Bombay grabs a league official, which apparently now exists. Don't know where that guy was when his team was playing with newspapers strapped to their shins and no helmets. Uh, and the league official breaks the news to Coach Riley, who, in a fit of rage, tells Bombay he's not even a has been, he's a never was, which is a great quote from a guy who, again, is still coaching the same Pee Wee hockey team. 20 years, do you have a kid on the team? A, a grandkid? What's your real job? Is this it? Gordon goes to the locker room to share the bank's news with the Ducks, thinking they're going to be excited, but they're pissed. Some of the kids found out, too, that Gordon Bombay used to play for the Hawks, and then the little Italian kid overheard uh, Coach Bombay sarcastically telling Coach Riley that his team's a bunch of losers who don't deserve to live. Obvious sarcasm, but he didn't get it. And so somehow the combination of all these factors is enough for the whole team to think that Gordon Bombay is like, cheating on them or something and so the whole team walks out on the peewee hockey season that their parents have definitely already paid for in full but okay so the ducks are forced to forfeit that game to the flames because charlie's the only one who shows up so gordon takes him for coffee at the diner where his mom works to get to the heart of the issue what kind of guys does your mom date what's she into <laughs> it's very very awkward um eventually gordon decides he's going to step away from the team and he's going to let uh, the Hall brothers, he's going to let their dad coach because the Ducks don't trust him anymore. The community service hours, I guess. Um, Charlie <laughs> cries and accuses him of quitting. Later, the Ducks, that's uh, Charlie cries. That feels like something that's going to come up a lot. So just, yeah. you can just sit on that for a second. Uh, later, the Ducks are at school where apparently they're all in the same chemistry class. Cool. Um, they get into a fight and then the principal comes in to yell at them and says like, what do you kids have to say for yourselves? And they'll start quacking. So like in a, one scene, they go from like mad at each other to quacking at the principal and their friends again. Meanwhile, Gordon goes to Ducksworth off. He gets called into Ducksworth's office. Um, this part I was very confused by, but somehow he's now involved in this uh, fact that the redistricting happens and that they get Banks. And he finds out that the Hawks coach made a deal with the league to let Banks finish the season with the Hawks and then reassess next year, which zooming out of the actual plot and our affiliations with people in the movie does make logical sense to me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they're yanking sure does. this kid out of a team where all of his friends are that he likes, where he's the superstar, and they're making him go to this garbage team being coached by a guy with a DUI. Uh, and we're supposed <laughs> to see that as the win. Um, it does make sense to me to let the kid stay where he is. But either way. So they tell him <laughs> that, uh, that that's what happened. And Gordon takes this stand where he's like you wanted me to learn about the power of teamwork or whatever and fair play which i don't i still don't understand what that has to do with anything but he's like i did learn about fair play and so uh ducksworth is like are you prepared to lose your job over some kids some game and then gordon's like are you prepared to fire me over some kids some game answers yes to that so he tells him <laughs> to go get his stuff and then bombay is like quack 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 mr ducksworth right away mr ducksworth and then he leaves him with this sick burn as he takes his jersey, you may have paid for this jersey, but you didn't earn it. A lot of good lines in that scene, but that scene doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Either way, Coach then goes to their school, marches into the principal's office, and says, there are some students here I'd like to see. And she's like, they're in this classroom, which is not how schools work. <laughs> a guy on probation cannot walk into the school and go, I'm looking for these six. And she's like, oh, they're right over here. But okay, maybe it was a different time in 1992. 
So he goes in and finds the kids writing, I will not quack at the principal over and over on the blackboard because, you know, tropes. Simpsons. And uh, exactly. And um, he gives some speech about how he's misunderstood and the kids are like, we get it, we're kids. Which, okay, so they understand that, but they didn't understand sarcasm. Um, and so then everything's okay again in Ducksville. A woo. Um, so Banks shows up to his first game as a duck and he gets called a cake eater. Um, despite the fact that nobody will pass him the puck, he does eventually score. He ties the game 1-1. With 16 seconds left, Coach Bombay pulls Goldberg and puts in Fulton. But it's not for that Statue of Liberty trick play. He actually takes the shot, scores the winning goal, and sends the Ducks to the playoffs. Never mind the fact that he cross-checked a guy and it didn't get called at all because penalties don't matter in the Ducks universe, but we'll get into that later. Mm. So the kids mm. go to a Stars-Whalers game and they meet Mike Madonna, who curiously remembers Gordon from his peewee days. Timeline confusion, because again, Coach Riley still coaching the same team and thinks that's great. Uh, Gordon takes Charlie's mom on a date after Charlie winks and tells him to go for it like a tiny pimp. It's very strange. Um, Gordon gets a little... He gets a little like ahead of himself after like a, a he like pimp. he kisses her on the cheek and then she's like talking about this house and she's like I used to say to Charlie that like that's my room and that room to the right is his room and then Gordon's like where's my room and rightfully Charlie's mom is like oh, chill dude like literally he just kissed her on the cheek and now he's like where's my room in this like really lovely story that you're telling me also like to make. It, wouldn't you want to share the bedroom yes. with yes <laughs> where's my room well it's right there. I said it was mine. Like it, it just, everything about it was a miss. It's like, what are you thinking? <laughs> but so she like pulls back and she gets like, you know, I'm worried about Charlie because even if you and I date, like Charlie's, Charlie loves you. You can't just disappear, blah, blah, blah. Abrupt smash cut. Like from that scene, smash cut first playoff game against the Hornets. Like, okay, we're in it. Uh, the Ducks win 5-3. They're heading to the semifinals. Short playoffs uh, against those pesky Cardinals. Zero penalties called in the Cardinals game. Uh, Banks scores. Our guy Guy Germain scores. Uh, eventually, the Ducks win 4-2 in the final against the Hawks because the Bird League. Um, I, did not, I did not transcribe my notes for the final game and yes. ending. So, lucky you. Uh, so at this point, Jesse, Jesse Hall is like the main one who doesn't trust Banks. And for those of you who haven't seen the film in a while, Jesse Hall is one of two brothers, Hall brothers on the team. The other one played by Jesse Smollett. Jesse Smollett. Very interesting. Oh, it's Smollett. Oh, I've been so. saying it wrong my whole life. I actually don't know because I've avoided actual news coverage of that whole thing. Uh, <laughs> we got, a, we got a lot of uh, characters, actors sure do. in this we sure do. Yeah, keep um, going. So uh, the Hawks play Banks really rough. Um, they're like shoving him around. Again, not a penalty called, but okay. Uh, the fans in the stands are split like it's a wedding by team. So it's very strange. <laughs> like the Ducks sit over here, the Hawks sit over here. Important to note, Banks' dad is wearing a Hawks jersey sitting on the Hawks side. What's up? Bad guy. Um so it's one nothing Hawks after Banks get double team, gets double teamed into the boards. Um, the Hawks are twice their size. It, it, the weird thing about these movies is that like only one team is ever playing hockey usually. And like they're playing it too well. It's like you're either, you either don't know how to play and you're bringing a lasso on the ice or mm -hmm. you are playing hockey very well <laughs> twice the size of your opponent. But okay, whatever. So at the end of the first period, it's three nothing. Um, and coach tells his players to uh, – oh, the, the coach of the Hawks tells the players to knock Banks out of the game. Like, he pulls two dudes aside, and he's like, I want you to take him out of the game. Um, so 
Banks is on a breakaway goal, but he gets shoved into the post like he slides and hits his head. It's apparently very serious, although famously the post moves when you hit it. So I think <laughs> hitting the boards would be a lot more, but it's, you know, who am I to nitpick? Um, the kid who hit him, one of the kids who was supposed to hit him skates over and he's very worried because this is clearly more serious than it was supposed to be. And the kid looks over and he's like, Adam, are you okay? Adam, are you okay? And then he turned to his, the other kid, number seven, McGill. And he's like, what are you doing? What did you do? And the kid goes, my job. Woof. I'm pretty sure these kids are supposed to be 10. I just want to- Really? Throw, I'm, I've been diving into this timeline. We can get into it when you're finished. But I'm pretty sure they're supposed to be 10. Keep wow. Well, as, as we know from the NCAA, 10-year-olds are technically professional athletes. <laughs> right. They're just on paid. That's right. Uh. It is his job. Um, so they take, anyway, they take Banks off in a stretcher. And then at, when McGill skates over to the penalty box, he gets congratulated by the coach of the Hawks. It's all very disgusting. Um, as the cake eater is being taken off on his stretcher, he turns to Hall and says, kick Hawk butt. So now they're cool. Like Hall was the driving force of not welcoming Banks into the team. And now Banks tells him to beat up his old friends. And so I guess, you know, things are, rifts are covered. They happen and are covered up very quickly in this film. Um... The Hawks logo sucks. I just want to say that. The logo that they have is a very garbage logo and it's on their jacket and it's not intimidating or scary at all. Um, also, the, somehow the driver that was appointed to Bombay to get him to this community service has now become the assistant coach. Mm, of the that team. He's on that the bench. A lot. <laughs> he's on the bench. Also, Gordon has been fired. So he's no longer being provided with a limo or this driver. And somehow this driver, not background checked, has become the, the, the assistant coach I'm just concerned for the safety of the children. Um, so Fulton scores. He hits the goalie, and the goalie goes into the net with the puck. The Hawks steal the puck from Mark. I don't know why I wrote that. Um, <laughs> uh, Tommy Duncan figure skates, distracts people, scores a goal, which is interesting because that didn't work earlier. Oh, yeah, okay. the figure skating goal. Right. Um, then McGill um, – Oh, it was Tammy Duncan, sorry, who figure skated and scored the goal. Then McGill, the bad guy on the team, hits her after the play. Fulton charges their bench and tries to fight the entire bench and gets mm -hmm. a game misconduct. So penalties do exist. They just don't get called. Get called. Um, then, um, I don't mean to sound my problematic alarm, but um, Gordon calls over the Oreo line. <laughs> I wrote that uh, down too. Which is two black kids and a white kid. And he tells them that they're going to play, they're gonna do the Flying V. <clears throat> now the Flying V very famous from the Mighty Ducks film. It's all the kids stop behind the net and then come out around it in a V and you know pass the puck between each other. The announcer somehow knows it's called the Flying V, even though it's the first time that it's been brought out. Just like the announcers in the flashback, Gordon Bombay flash, flashback, they're like, all this weight on those tiny little shoulders of Gordon, but I'm like, where'd you guys get your jobs? Why do you do this? It's peewee hockey. Um, so they do the flying V. Jesse Hall has dirty dangles on the goal. So now it's 4-4. Big save from Goldberg, which is big for him because he was afraid of the puck at the beginning of this film, which was only, what, five games ago. Uh, Charlie Conway has a breakaway. They hook him. So it's a penalty shot. Anyone Ooh. on the ice can make this penalty shot. Gordon says, what about Charlie? Uh, and all the other kids are like, what about Charlie? And even Charlie <laughs> himself is like, come on, coach, we have a chance to win. For some reason, I think it's because he wants to fuck his mom. Gordon mm. is like, you got this, Charlie. <laughs> Remember the triple deke. Now, the triple deke, like the Flying V, a very famous hockey move from this film, which is literally just moving the puck from the left 
to the right, back to the left. And I believe in the second film we see that it's left to the, or maybe it was this film, left to right, left, stop, invalidating the deke completely, and then (laughs) score the goal. So, I mean, this triple deke, for all the hype, it's just, it's okay. It's not that impressive. <laughs> really, neither is the flying V. Yeah, I know, but at least that's like a. Ooh, look, we tried a trick play. It's the annexation of Puerto Rico or whatever. Um, so uh, he triple deeks. Oh, he also tells him, "I believe in you, win or lose," which is you imagine what Gordon wanted to hear from his coach back in the day. But he mm-hmm. does the triple deke. He scores. Ducks win five four. The coach kisses Charlie's mom on the ice. Uh, Hans says he's proud of him. All of these things come full circle. And then we get to the last scene where all the kids are lined up outside of a big bus and Gordon Bombay is going <laughs> down the line and they're all saying things to him like, remember coach, soft hands. And it's all these little callbacks that are very stupid. And you're wondering what's going on. And then you find out Gordon Bombay got a tryout with the minors. And so he's leaving to go do that, which leaves a m- number of questions. Number mm. one, where is the tryout because you're on probation and I don't think you can just cross state lines all willy-nilly to go pursue your dreams. Question number two, 500 hours of community service. Did you spe- Are they done? Have you done all of them? Um, and then he says, as he's getting on the bus, see you next season, we got a title to defend. Um, does the AHL season happen in between Pee hockey seasons? <laughs> also, at the beginning of the movie and throughout, Goldberg is wearing Philadelphia Flyers gear, and they find out he's a temporary goalie because he's got to move back to Philly, and then that never comes back up again. No, it doesn't. And, uh, it he does continue a, wearing Flyers gear. And it does. leads to a very uh, angry um, issue I have with the second movie, which Ashley will now tell you all about. Guy Germain forever. I did not... Uh... Listen, I actually, the way you tell people about movies is the best way to do it, and I'd like uh, to hear it that way. Okay. <clears throat> I don't, okay, here we go. D2, The Mighty Ducks. What year is this now? Because mine was 92. That's a great question. I think it was 94, but. It was. I think it's 94. because It's 94. It, they're 92, 94, 96. Right. All right, so I think 20, I think he's 29. I have written down 29-year-old Gordon Bombay. At this point, he's 29. Correct. Is succeeding okay. in the minors. How is he a high-powered lawyer that had done 30 cases at 28? I, I don't. It's super 31 cases, unclear. but he that one report. Right, 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 okay, right. Okay, go ahead. It's really unclear. Um, he's crushing in the minors. Everyone keeps saying, like, next stop is the NHL until a knee injury forces him out of the league and to get back off the bus with a cane in the rain where rain. Hans's brother Jan – yeah, so Hans what happened is, there is they couldn't cast Hans. I so thought Hans was Jan. dead, but then I think Hans comes back in the third one. Hans is back in the third. So one. So he's not dead. He's just back in. He was just busy. He was just visiting their mom. A bit role or something. Yeah. So Jan, Jan is, is it there. the same actor? No. So Jan is there, um, and he drives him back to uh, to the hockey shop because now Gordon has no job. Um, and he's not a minor league hockey player anymore and tells him that since Charlie's mother remarried, Charlie's been spending a lot of time at the shop, which quick timeline here. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be the next year. The next season. So they were dating, broke up. She met someone else, got engaged and got married all in that time span. Um, At the hockey shop, a guy whose name is Mr. Tibbles. (laughs) 
sounds like a cat. He has a cat name, Mr. Tibbles. Mr. Tibbles. Uh, Shows up at the shop to recruit Gordon to be the coach of the USA Junior Hockey Team because I guess Jan has been pitching Mr. Tibbles from Hendricks Hockey um, as to why Gordon should be the coach. And he's he's very into like, Gordon, we're going to sell you and you're going to sell hockey and Hendricks is going to blow up and we're going to get so much money. So unclear on why that guy has control over who coaches the Goodwill Games. Correct. So the, this is all for the Goodwill Games, which is uh, an international competition in LA with like n- no real stakes, I guess, because it's for 11-year-olds, question mark. Mm. Um, as Gordon is leaving... Jan hands him a duck whistle, a duck call, or like, I can't, oh man, I can't do it. It was good. It was really good. It sounded like an elephant. Hands it to him, like, you should take this. And I don't know why this is a bullet, but it just says, how did we survive without technology? Oh, because they don't have cell phones. So we see Charlie rollerblading around using the duck call, which was not part of the first film at all. So he's just duck calling people. Major part of the second one, though. In various uh, situations um, to join him in this rollerblading montage, which good thing, I guess they all keep their rollerblades on hand because some of them are working at movie theaters or- uh, Kissing near a waterfall. Yeah. And then he goes, I was this close, which like you made out the whole Guy and Connie were like about to make out. And I'm like, you made out like the whole first film. Why are you upset that you missed a kiss now? But they all, at least in Brink, he's like carrying his rollerblades in a backpack all the time. Great call. He's ready to go. But like these rollerblades- Brink lives to skate. They appear skates to live. Yeah. Um, I wrote, oh gosh, I just wrote beat us last year. Oh, so this is as I'm trying to be like, wait, this was last year. So the Hawks um, are upset that the ducks are getting back together and try to, um, I don't know, like clothesline them in the park. They tie some fishing wire between two, between two two trees trees. to like trip them. But Reed shows up. So many. Oh, the third prank. film is just all pranks. A prank, yeah, just... the third film is all pranks. There's, in fact, there's a prank in the second film that I remembered as one from the third film. Mm. But keep going. So they try oh, to clothesline them, um, but Fulton Reed shows up, beats them up, strips them down to their underwear, and ties them to a tree, which, again, child abuse, but in a fun way. And, but those 10-year-olds have abs. Yeah, I think they're like 11 now. Those right? 11 year <laughs> have abs. They're at least 11 or 12. So anyway, so they get some of the ducks back together. There's a few key people missing. Um, Jesse's there, but not his brother. The Tammy and Tommy are gone. The little Italian kid that wore the leather jacket's gone. Carp is gone. There's, is Averman there? Yeah. Averman is there, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the core the core of the, the team, I guess, is just the ducks. And then you get a few new people because, I don't know, we're not having tryouts for some reason, for this national team. Or it team seems like they had tryouts the and they picked States. four or five people from it and they're just like going to add them to the team. So they, so yeah, basically Mr. Tibbles is like, here are the new Mr. guys. They include Luis Mendoza, AKA Benny the Jet from Sandlot. Problematic who, button. Don't, and so is Goldberg, by the way. He's oh, like really, sh- yeah, Goldberg's really bad. So Mendoza, his Goldberg. thing is so fast. He can fly, but he can't stop. Uh, mm-hmm. Dwayne Robertson, is the best puck handler we've ever seen. But he's a showboat and he doesn't pass. This is the guy that's from Texas and has, and a, has lasso, a lasso. Um, and like a, a cowboy hat, but like doesn't pass. Julie the Cat Gaffney. I will have a lot of things to say about her. Yep. She's a goalie who won the state championship for Maine three years in a row. Is very good. Nasty. What is, what is Gordon's reaction? We have a goalie. 
Goldberg. Okay, we'll get into that. Who was afraid of the puck, but one year ago. At length, we will discuss that. That's the thing I was like, Ashley's going to have words. The disrespect. I forgot. I thought she played. It's worse than I thought. It's so much worse than I remembered. We'll get to it. it. The disrespect continues. Ken Wu is an Olympic figure skater who they decided to to take, I guess, the place of Tammy and Tommy. So we got a figure skating guy. And Dean Portman, he's the enforcer. He was in Newsies. Which you guys oh, probably boy. never saw, but he oh, was. From what do you movies. mean, probably never saw? Well, you're because it, it that film does not really hold up. It was a big part of my childhood. Oh, watching let's it back get as back an adult. to the film that does. That's right. <laughs> so I wrote. This is my next bullet. Quick question: No tryouts? Question mark. The best yeah. in the country is a guy who can't stop. I yeah. guess so. Cool. So they also bring in um, Michelle McKay. I think her name is who is their tutor, yes. who's from- an attractive single lady. From criminal Minnesota. Law and Order, Criminal Intent. Oh, I didn't know uh, The whole time, is. I'm like, I'm looking at her and I'm like, I know that voice and that name. It's the main lady from Law and Order, Criminal Intent. Mm, that's good to know. So Shut apparently up. this is during the school year and her job is to make sure that these kids are all still learning while they're participating in this tournament. Sure. Um, there is a clash between the old ducks and the new guys. And so uh, Coach Bombay decides to tie them together with a rope uh, and have them learn to skate together. And then once they figure that out, he has rancher Dwayne lasso them. Uh, like they try to escape and then Dwayne just rounds them up like cattle. Hockey stuff. And then they line dance um, yep. to a song called Let's Work Together. So Sounds like a Randy Newman knockoff. We get that, um, we get that nice uh, montage. Yeah. Then when we get like all their big equipment from Hendrix, Charlie's upset that they're USA jerseys and that they're red, white, and blue and they don't say ducks and aren't ducks colors, even mm. though- A constant a problem for Charlie junior national hockey D2 team. and D3. She's really, he, that's, <laughs> the, the ducks are his identifying soul character. And if I may, trait. You may. I, my issue with the USA jerseys is that it's light blue. Mm. All of their USA is light blue, white, mm. and red. Mm. Go on. That's great to know. So they all go rollerblading in the street again um, to train. Uh, and I, I wrote down, and I'd like to point out, ice skating and roller skating are very different. Yes. They are not the same. Not the same. Uh, trying to learn how to stop on rollerblades is famously very different from stopping on ice skates. Mm-hmm. So we get a lot of those, though. So they all go to L.A., and their first game is against Trinidad and Tobago. 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 But they're, also, of the- Tobago, there's Tobago. What? There's like <laughs> 10 countries? There's I not think that many. 10 countries and one of them is Trinidad and Tobago, but I'm not mad because those jerseys are fire. The tie-dye jerseys are insane. Yeah, the Trinidad Uh, and Tobago jerseys. Would you like me to explain why Trinidad, that Trinidad and Tobago scene happened just based on no information except my own Googling of uh, years that movies came out? Yes, please. Cool Runnings came out in 1993. That makes sense. So let's bring- I'm pretty sure Trinidad and Tobago is the Cool Runnings effect on the Mighty Ducks franchise. I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes a whole lot of sense. When they score, um, at one point, they they celebrate with steel drums. Just yes, so you guys that's that's what I that's when I went. Hey, what year did Cool Running come out? <laughs> <laughs> like this seems uh, weird. Yeah, super weird. So in the in the first game, we see Keenan Thompson in the stands, and he is he is talking shit. Uh, How does that kid get a pass to every game? That's a, I it, I don't know. Do you pay to go to these Goodwill games? It's well, really later unclear. he tries to talk to them, and the guy's like, "Where's your pass?" And it's like, "Are you kidding? He's the number one fan. He's at every. He's heckling in the stands the whole movie." It is 
a giant question mark, but that's okay. Without like any conversation, Dean and Fulton like fist bump and put on bandanas <laughs> and they start beating up the Trinidad players before they score and then chest bump and the Bash brothers, I guess, are born. They're just like, we're both big. Oh, there's my son. Um, so that's, they become the Bash brothers, which Sick. is, that's great. Uh, we hear Adam Banks worry about scouts. He like thinks, again, age 11, question yep. mark, 12. He's stressed out 11. He's worried about scouts to get into college. It's really unclear. Um, Trinidad does score easily on Goldberg, who is absolute garbage but USA wins nine to two. So at the post game press conference, Iceland shows up and their, their bad guy coach who we know is a bad guy because he has very slick back hair. <laughs> His name is Wolf nicknamed the dentist Stanson. And he says, team USA is going down. So the, yes. there's a feud that's starting there pretty early. Um, there's also a lot of, fake Russian bad guyness. Like yes. you can tell they wanted to make Russia the bad bad guys, but they didn't. So they just made what they thought Russians were be Iceland. I looked it up. <laughs> I looked, looked it up. what up? Because I was like, what's the deal with Iceland? Why is Iceland the bad guy? Did you look it up? Is that why you said they wanted to make it Russia? No, it just felt like very Cold War. <laughs> I will, I'll hold it and we'll talk about it in the after part. Okay. Uh, let's see. We are we. We are we. We are we. We are we. Okay. He's like early Le Chiffre from from Casino Royale, the Iceland coach. Sure. He like. Yeah, yeah I, I totally know what you're talking about, and you're a hundred percent right, Jay. Thank you so you, much. You just nailed that reference that I absolutely understand. He's like the bad guy in Die Hard. Yeah. He's every He's stereotypical slick backed hair bad guy. So, Tibbles he takes Bombay to his Tibbles. new oceanfront place in Malibu and for Gordon like puts up a brief fight of like I should be with the team and he's like but look at this view and so was that an option of, staying at the dorms with the kids yeah I think that's where all the other coaches are all right but because Hendricks I guess is so loaded and signs Gordon to all this money to be a junior national hockey coach with no tryouts he gets to stay at this beachfront place in Malibu which is kind of the start to Gordon's like downward spiral into becoming a sellout um, meanwhile, while Gordon isn't there, pranking goes down in the dorms. They, they cover Dwayne with, they do the like feather and the, uh, shaving cream trick, which yes. I don't know whose shaving cream that is. If it's not Julie, the cat or Connie, cause none of those guys need to shave their faces. I don't know why they have shaving cream. They're 11, but that's okay. We see that. Um, we see the Bash brothers really start to bond. They, uh, they, put on some music to fall asleep to and then rock out on their beds, jumping up and down, playing air guitar. Uh, they do. They're just Very classic, weird. classic bad guys. Just bros. Um, just broing out. They're, they're seriously, it's the bromance is so strong. It's strong. Gordon literally bumps into a stunning blonde lady who's a trainer for Iceland. Only one from the film, actually from Iceland. Big star in Iceland, just in case you were wondering. That's good to know. Um, and they flirt, but then the dentist bad guy coach comes back and Every time he's on the screen, the music is so intense. It's like very clear that he takes this teenager hockey incredibly seriously. Uh, Team USA beats Italy 6-0. Goldberg talks a bunch of smack. They end up winning 11-0. Then Coach Bombay has a whole photo shoot where he gets his makeup done and he poses with models. And the song is called Mr. Big Stuff that's playing in the background. So we big really stuff, see, big stuff. see him start to, who do you think you are? We know nice, that- 
That was really nice. Yeah, here I am. He meets a bunch of famous people at the party. We, we don't, can't gloss over this. He pitches Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the Air Bombay loafer for kids who want to coach. And then we just go to the next scene. Yep, sure do. <laughs> it's like, what? Can we talk about that? A Shout out Cam Neely, though. My goodness. Uh, the kid, oh, this scene is super, super weird. So a bunch of the, the guys on the team can't get into a fancy store until Goldberg pretends to be Aaron Spelling's nephew. Uh, so they like show him into a place yeah. And he says he's shopping for his mom. And so the owner, I guess, has a bunch of models come out to put on a fashion show for something to, for him Wait, to did you say mother. they said they were Aaron Spelling's kids? Nephew. Nephew? Yeah. yeah. Um, so these women come out and model these like flimsy outfits as the boys just like drool. And you're like, this is what you think he should buy for his mother? Yeah, uh, what? It's the whole thing was <laughs> so bizarre. And then when Goldberg asks to see bikinis, the woman finally, I guess, catches on. That's what does it. Like, she's oh, like, you know what? they're here to see ladies. Yeah, this doesn't make sense. So they get kicked out. Um, Julie goes to see Coach Bombay in his office and says, I want to play. Like, I didn't quit my team in Maine to, like, ride the bench. I want to show the world what I can do. And he's like, listen, Goldberg is on a hot streak. Patently false. I think he's made one save in the entire yes. tournament. So, like, he gets to play, but he's like, I promise you, you'll get your chance to show the world what you can do. We, again, will discuss what mm. that means at length. Thanks. So, Gordon goes on a date with the Icelandic trainer lady. The Bash brothers see him. Uh, and I realize probably everyone, this movie is probably how everyone our age got in their head that Iceland is green and Greenland is icy. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. I she was like, that. oh, that's how I know that. Because she's like, no, Iceland's beautiful. It's very green. It's Greenland mm. that's full of ice. And I'm like, that's why I know that. This movie set off a lot of light bulbs for me. Mm -hmm. So now it's time for Team USA versus Iceland. Bombay shows up in a suit and his hair is slicked back. So that's how we know he has completed. There's been a change. Yeah, he's completed. He's the bad guy. He's bad. He's mean. Um, Capitalism the... ruined Gordon Bombay. <laughs> Gosh, I, I guess for the it? second time, right? Like he's yeah, going the right. same mark as the first movie. Uh, Dean gets ejected in the first 10 seconds because the, the penalties called are, I don't understand. Arbitrary. Them. This is so messed up. Uh, Iceland scores easily. Keenan Thompson talks more shit. Dwayne won't pass. Goldberg makes a save. I wrote that in all caps. I was shocked. Mendoza still can't stop. Uh, they dip back into the figure skating well, but Iceland doesn't fall for it. Mm. Oh, Dean has a complete meltdown in the locker room. Because he got oh, yeah, he like trashes he was, it, right? And, but he's screaming, "Put me back in!" It's like, who are you talking to? You're also not making a good case for yourself. Yeah, it's really, it's really not great. Uh, Iceland scores again. I see Charlie in the huddle, and I forgot he was there. Oh, it's four <laughs> nothing now. Bombay gives a shit speech. He's not who he used to be. <laughs> I'm, I'm just reading my notes now. At five zero, five to nothing, they pull Goldberg, and Julie the cat goes in, but she gets ejected immediately for immediately to injure when two Iceland players. Talk smack to her and then she shoves them and gets ejected. They said intent to injure. I'm like, what? What does that not mean? not a penalty. Fulton's uh, slap shot gets saved by the Iceland goalie. Then Adam Banks gets his wrist absolutely oh, wait, slashed. Also, if, you, if you take Goldberg out and put Julie the Cat Gaffney in and she gets ejected, you cannot put Goldberg back in. The rules do not Don't make apply. Sense. Yeah. They, like, not the same. Don't apply. So the guy that actually absolutely crushes Banks gets two minutes. Whereas, you know, Julie the Cat 
in with a shove ejected. Delay of, so, delay of game never called once happens 85 times. Oh my in this gosh, film. it's so high sticking never called once happens 85 times in this film. Yeah, a lot of cross checking, too. Like, right a lot of cross checking <laughs> without helmets and such. So, Eastland wins 12 to 1. Tibbs tells Gordon that Hendricks is only interested in backing a winner. Jesse calls Gordon on his bullshit again, and Gordon responds by making them skate sprints after the game. Charlie tries to tell him it isn't very much fun, but Gordo doesn't care. He's like, who says it's supposed to be fun? He's like, you, we were the mighty ducks. Like, that was your literal whole bit. Yes. Like, he was chanting from the stands in the first one. Have more year fun! Ago. Like, yeah. it was it was a real mess. Um, the kids fall asleep at school, and Ms. McKay, she's worried. Red flag. Yeah. So she, she goes to a she cancels practice, tries to talk to Corden, Corden, Gordon, tells him they're calling him Captain Blood. She tries to remind him that it's supposed to be fun. Not even a good nickname. It's, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. The team's fighting amongst themselves. Then Keenan Thompson shows up and challenges them to schoolyard puck, where I guess he and his boys are going to remind them how to play hockey. Roller hockey, not the same as ice hockey, but the spirit is there. So they <laughs> all show up to a basketball court with trash cans i guess yeah um and there's a street hockey team that reminds them what hockey is to a whoop there it is montage which doesn't get better than that myrtle by the way barked every time they said whoop so it became <laughs> woof there it is and That's it was very aw. funny in this house it feels like a remake that. that needs to happen i agree so we get to see uh we get to see the knuckle puck from keenan thompson whose name's right. russ i think russ yeah. tyler russ tyler yep so we see the knuckle puck uh they teach kenny Wu how to fight stick gloves sure um and i wrote these kids just needed someone to believe in them they're really good coaches yeah here's the thing it's just a bunch of white kids come in and take the stuff they learned from black kids and they're like later and then they go back to like it was just a weird what the whole thing was that so that's pretty much it it was was it was the it was the um whatever that trope is in sports in uh movies that's like the mythical black character that like gifts you with the things you need and then you go off on your journey it's like thanks street kids it was so (laughs) doesn't keenan keenan does join the team though right well we get there jay why don't you just give it a sec i still have i still have some stuff left to discuss Meanwhile, Gordon is back in his giant Malibu digs and Jan is there randomly just tell him that his hair is stupid and that his pitch to Hendrix was that Bombay could teach the kids to fly. That's what he sold him on when he said he could be their coach. But it doesn't so, seem like Hendrix gave a fuck about that. So no, they really didn't. They decided one season of taking a 10-year-old team to a championship in Minnesota <laughs> meant he was good enough to leave It was enough country. to have that make up the core of the team. It, <laughs> un- unbelievable. So G- Gordon decides he's going to rollerblade in khakis at twilight to demonstrate that he too has returned to his roots. But he's late to the next game. So Ms. McKay has to pretend to be the coach or they lose the tournament because it's double double elimination. Um, at one point, she yells, what are you waiting for? The ice to freeze? Let's play. She, I just wrote, she is drunk with power. Also, that's en- <laughs> <laughs> and that's enough that the ref gives her a face. It's like, well, she's being kind of bitchy. She, she must, must be the be coach. The coach. <laughs> <laughs> so midway through the game, Bombay shows up with a duck, that duck collar whistle and just starts blaring it as he's walking through the stands. And the entrance really doesn't go how he hoped. Half the team doesn't get it because they weren't part of that one montage where they called everybody with the ducks. Like the other team USA kids are like, I don't know what that is. Um, he kisses Miss McKay, apologizes. He asks for another chance. The kids don't really have a choice, really. They have to accept him, I guess. They don't have an option. 
So <laughs> Jesse calls for the flying V. Which is weird because they've always had an option when they definitely in real life didn't have an option, but now yeah. is the time they invoke that you don't have an option. Jesse calls for the flying V. They score to break the tie and beat Germany. I wrote that I remember the flying V being way more impressive. We just in the that first a bit in, in the, the first, first movie, one. I think it is a little bit more impressive, but yeah, you're it's a good point. So after the game, Coach Bombay burns a cutout of himself, like one of those life-size cardboard cutouts in a trash can to show that he's serious. The acting then he in starts that scene, to watch, top notch. He starts to watch game tape for the first time. So he's really putting in some effort now to coach. So there's that. They decide now's the time to try to teach Luis how to stop, which they don't succeed at because even in the third one, he still can't stop. But and, at least they started teaching him by stacking up cans meticulously and letting him yep. crash into them instead mm -hmm. of teaching him with a different drill and then stacking the cans. So you're not stacking cans for the entirety of practice. I've never seen anyone just be like, here's the basics of how to stop on ice skates, Luis. Let's start here. Right. But also shout out that cherry Coke can because I haven't seen mm, that in years yum. and that was their best can. That was so good. Yeah. Uh, they also decided that the middle of the tournament's the time to start working on stamina. Of so course. that's, they start putting in that work. Um, mm. Adam's wrist, Adam Banks, it's hurting. He wraps it himself because I guess they don't have a trainer. So he's well, trying he's to hide it, a secret. it. Yeah. He's trying to hide it. Coach shows up, finally realizes. He like asks him to like hold the stick and rotate it. He can't. So he that, I mean, in another him. context, that's not a thing you want an old man saying to a kid, but I understand. <laughs> he, he basically tells Adam that like, don't worry about the scouts, dude. You're eight. But like your dad's gonna love you no matter <laughs> what. It's okay. Also, and your dad's not gonna love you no matter what. He was rooting for the Hawks when you got redistricted. Yeah, it's his dad. His dad doesn't seem like he's the best. Also, do you have to wear like a full blown slings for a wrist injury? Don't Feels think like so. But he did. He went. He hard. did. He he wore the he wore the sling. So because there's an open roster spot because Banksy's hurt, they bring in Russ Tyler, straight from the from the hood, as they say. Oh man. To, guess to, where in that, Jay? Just uh, guess where in L.A. he's from. I couldn't tell you. Um, I'm Russ Tyler. I'm from South Central LA. Yeah. Like, of course. So they bring There's him in for the knuckle puck magic. Somehow Russia um, beats Iceland. So now they both have one loss. So they're tied. Wayne's Gretzky. Wayne's Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky wow. is there for wow. a minute. Sorry, who? Wayne's, <laughs> Wayne's, Wayne's, the attorney's general, Wayne's Gretzky. <laughs> both of them <laughs> show up to post for a photo. And the photographer goes, say hockey. Like, oh my oof. God. Love that moment. Oh, gosh. Uh, they have one more practice before the final match versus Iceland. So they bring a beach ball to have some fun. Sure. Because I don't know what you're supposed to do with a beach ball and like 10 kids, which sure. is not enough to do to field an entire hockey team. Right. Anyway, the Iceland team shows up and they're like, get off the ice. It's ours, which scheduling conflict, but whatever. Um, and instead, the two men talk a bunch of shit to each other. And then the dentist challenges Gordon to a game of one-on-one -on -one three bar even though gordon's knee was technically hurt i just wrote men are so weird yes the uh, whole time i was like this is just toxic masculinity the whole it's so bad so they play gordon's about to win stanson takes out his knee and then kicks him out and like now you get that like now it's personal look from Thank coach you. bombay so it's the final adam banks is magically healed but the roster's full so charlie because he's the best the best gives up his spot so Banksy can play and Russ can play and he's going to help coach. Um, also, these are the smallest rosters in history I wrote. They do a chant we've never heard before. The game against Iceland. Yeah, I forget what it is. But I, I was think like, all their chants are one word over and over. It's like, coach, 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 win, <laughs> win, win. No, I feel like this one was like, 
eyes on the prize. The ice is strong. Like it was like a phrase of like three things. Dogs fly together. Something. No, that's that's coming up later. Oh, we just probably doesn't. Sorry. So Iceland goes up one nothing. Russ tries a knuckle puck. Iceland steals it. They score to go up two nothing. The whole line change thing doesn't make any sense. None. Coach Bombay is like, Banks, go. I'm like, that's not how they not work. Not how it works. Um, he gets instantly slash, but he's okay. Two Neose goes on the power play. Dwayne still doesn't pass. So I don't know where his char- character arc came from. Yeah, they from. never have him uh, develop and learn Ever. his skills. Uh, or Luis, he's trying to catch somebody on a breakaway and he falls. So they score. Iceland goes up 3 0. Uh, time for the flying V, but Iceland is ready for them. And I remember distinctly the first time I watched this movie being like, oh shit iceland's in like the reverse flying v it was so intimidating but really the only thing you have to do is just stand in front of them um yep they just knock them over that's how you stop it so there's a four on zero break uh they score they go up four nothing they keep saying it's going to take something drastic for team usa to turn this game around and you think it's going to be cat it's not it's the bandanas for the bash brothers they put them on they put on their bandanas kenny wu does an (laughs) axle of some kind he scores Four to one. So the goalie comes after him. Wu tries to fight him. He does the stick, glove, shirt, or whatever. Which you gets, don't do to the goalie. Not, you don't the fight only person the goalie. you're not allowed to fight. So he gets two minutes. The Bash Brothers are super proud. The crowd is ignited. Fighting five-minute major, famously. Yeah. yeah. They, get, uh, <laughs> they get penalties and head to the box. So all Here's three the of them are in there. May I? Three of them in the box is what you just said? Yep. Five people on the ice. Mm-hmm. Rules of hockey sense. don't matter. Does not matter. So we see Connie for the first time in ages, I think in this whole movie. And Charlie is like, Connie, be careful. They're gunning for you. And she's like, I got this. What are you talking about? Like it's super sexist, but she's about to get smashed against the boards when Dwayne grabs his lasso, ropes the dude and goes, where I'm from, we treat ladies with respect. What? Which again, what? And Connie goes, thank you, Dwayne, but I'm no lady. I'm a duck. Hee-ya! And, like, elbows the guy and knocks him Sick. over. Penalty or not? Nah? Uh, she doesn't get one, but Dwayne does. Because ladies need to be yeah. respected. He gets, two mi- he gets two Double minutes standard. for roping, Jay. He gets two minutes roping. for roping. And right. Coach Bombay, uh, in an intermission, goes, this isn't a hockey game. It's a circus. They're down 4-1. Going That's actually the, the tagline of the film. Seriously. <laughs> He gives a speech about not singing to their level. We're goons. We're not goons. We're not bullies. We have to be ourselves. So they all stand up and say their names and where they're from. I wrote, this is the first time I know most of their names. So Jan shows up, reminds them that at least half of them are ducks. He's like, you're ducks. So they all switch jerseys. I wrote, fuck the USA. <laughs> so I said, while I was watching it, I'm like, if this were now, there would be a think piece about putting club before country there yeah. would be a whole thing about like this yeah. movie is anti-america because they only come together when they're not america they're it's the ducks so messed up but they specifically say there's no rule change against changing uniforms so they're allowed to do it that's how movies work you just write that line into the script and, and then you're fine. fine they quack a bunch eastland i love when they're like eastland eastland their so jerseys cooler. just say island well, that's because yeah. that's how you spell well, it in Icelandic. Yeah. I understand why it says <laughs> island. I didn't think it was a grave typo. Uh, the good news is whoever's operating the in-stadium graphics has we will <laughs> quack you 
ready to go. Ready to go. Mm. <laughs> so everyone's just on the same page with We Will Quack You. Um, they sing it. It's on the graphics. It's great. Goldberg is dancing. I wrote, how is Goldberg still in the game? Wasn't it 3 nothing after the first period and he's still in the game in the still second? In the is game. this the second period or the third? It's going into the third. So it, yeah. it was 4-1. to one. Connie scores. It's 4-2. to two. Averman turns it over. Iceland scores. It's 5-2. to two. Goldberg's still in. Charlie draws up a play. <laughs> and somebody goes, Charlie, what are you trying to do? This isn't the NBA. And he goes, but it's the perfect teamwork play, which makes no sense because it's essentially an alley-oop. Yeah. Like Dwayne just lofts it. It's probably yep. the two-line rule. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and it doesn't look like it works, but somebody gets the rebound somehow and they score. Sure. And so now it's five to three. Uh, Luis Mendoza goes on a breakaway. He stops on a dime, sprays the goalie in the face, goes, I stopped, put it in Luis. He scores. It's five to four. The goalie there, afraid and distracted by the ice. Yeah, it is scary. He stops because you know? he goes, whoa, ice. Yeah, it gets, he, what's it yeah. called when they, uh, they, they, gosh, what's it called? When they like, the, the spray got, goes in your face. Right what is it? It snows, what's it? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I don't. Oh, this is going to kill me. I'll come but, up with it. What are we sure. looking for? What it's called? When, when somebody, somebody gets sprayed and the... sprays you. Yeah, it's called something. Uh, and I can't remember what it is, but I'll come up with it in like right. six hours. Snowblower. Um, so they put in rest to try the knuckle puck, but the rule is anytime he gets in, he's going to get triple, co- he's going to get triple covered. So what they do yeah, is they the call flaw a with the knuckle out. puck is that he has to completely stop before he does it. Yeah. And then like flip it up on its side. Yeah. And he doesn't have enough time. So what they do is call a timeout and then change jerseys, which probably not allowed, but whatever. He pretends <laughs> to be the goalie. They have enough time for him to stop, take off his helmet, reveal that it's him, hand him a regular it's stick. It's the goalie. And then he nails a knuckle puck to tie it 5-5. Five, five. So the championship comes down to a shootout because I guess there's no overtime, um, which is it's the, it's the new mark. NHL rules, which I like. That's good. Sure. So Jesse goes first. He scores one nothing. Iceland scores one one. Guy goes two to one. Goldberg makes a save, still two to one. Dwayne misses, still two to one. Iceland scores two two. Fulton turns, whips it, and knocks the goalie back into the net. So USA slash Ducks are up three to two. Iceland scores three three again. Goldberg is trash. Banks is up. They do a, a nice sequence of encouraging nods. Like Charlie gives one, then McKay gives one because she's an assistant coach now with the jacket. Right. Then right. Coach Bombay, and then he gives one back. Is that a triple deke? It's unclear. They score four to three, and now this is the moment when Coach Bombay decides that this is Julie's chance to finally show the world what she can do by putting her in absolutely cold with no warm up with one guy left who is the leading goal scorer in the entire tournament. And he's like, Gunner stall, Gunner stall. Like you go in, Julie, I'm not setting you up to fail at all. This is your chance to prove yourself. I'm going to put you in for one shot because you got the faster glove. So he watched tape. He tells her Gunner's going to go triple D glove side. And she's like, okay, I, I got this, I guess, because she's the best and she should have been playing the entire time because yes. Goldberg cannot skate, which yes. is reinforced in the third film. We will get there. So even the announcer's like, I don't know about this move, putting in a cold goaltender to face the leading scorer in the tournament. Yeah. I agree. Whatever. But she saves it because she's an absolute boss. Team USA wins. She tells, nice try to Gunner. And I just wrote, Gunner and Julie would make beautiful babies. 
all right. Third I, I mean, ten. sorry, they had sexual tension, and then and also Gunner is at least one. twenty-five years old. Yeah, Gunner's the, Gunner's in the next <laughs> movie, and they kiss. Spoiler alert. Oh yeah, he is. That's is that Gunner? Dude. It's the same actor, but it's not what? the character. It is. What? I promise. I, I, I don't kiss. Like, he kisses guy. her on the cheek. We okay, will whatever. get there. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, a kiss in Disney movies. So classic, all-time classic line. The dentist says, "Gunner, you lost it for me," and he goes, "You lost it for yourself." great all-time classic doesn't make any sense in the context of the it's incredible the team learned how to play hockey in the third period that's not his fault he says that's true captain duck love that also never mind charlie gets to wave the team usa flag i wrote miss mckay's jacket just says coach i don't (laughs) get it it does celebrate oh and this is my this is my marketing brain hendrix must be furious because there's no hendrix brand anywhere jerseys anywhere and all these shots all this B-roll, all the photographs of them in Ducks stuff. Like, this is an egregious breach of contract. Uh, so then Coach Bombay gives a triumphant VO. Come on, Ducks, we're going home, which they're all from different parts of the country. Five right. of them are Ducks. Even though they're all from District 5. Yeah, but even still, then you have the Miami and the Texas and the Maine. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, the plane does a beautiful dissolve into a slow-mo flying V, even though half of them don't even live in Minnesota. Sure. And the last shot is underneath the credits everybody's sitting around a campfire roasting marshmallows and they start singing we are the champions and we can talk about this later but this like really triggered a memory for me before my very first travel soccer game ever i walked around singing we are the champions because i thought we were the mighty ducks and we were facing the toughest team on the east coast in our first game and i thought we were gonna like be the underdog and come from behind and win and you lost we lost eight nothing well somebody should have brought a lasso yeah, I mean, you probably should have, you know, not played until the very last shot. Yeah, actually. I think it that would have really changed your chances. It, I didn't realize that, like, that's why I did that until I watched this movie, and I was like, oh my god, that's why I did that. This yeah. from this. Yeah, that was a lot longer than I thought. I'm sorry. No, it was great. I loved every second of it. Okay, <laughs> Eric. I love that. Um, also, before we get to D3, because this is the sports podcast and because we have to do updates, it's time now to throw it over to me for your challenge update. Okay. Hi. Hi. I'm Katie, and this is your challenge update. Um, I watched this a week ago. It was a solid week ago, and I don't remember everything that happened. The only important thing is that D has been eliminate it and boop that means boop. from here on out which is one more episode we get uh, an unedited actual episode so Ugh. that is the exciting challenge update i know ashley you haven't watched it yet genuinely um quarantine timeline is f-ing with me because this was six days ago that i watched this and if you asked me right now what the elimination was i don't remember it's wild so d is out and we are happy and so there's that. Okay, and Jay, now if you could please walk us through Mighty Ducks three. Is that what it's called? D three. D three colon the Mighty Ducks. Got it. Wasn't 19... it D two the Mighty Ducks? It was. Your naming convention. Okay. D three colon the Mighty Ducks. I got it. We open on a montage of old <laughs> moments from the Mighty Ducks one and D2, The Mighty Ducks, set in sepia tone, and inter, intercut with the credits in which there is a flying puck that is moving around. Um, we're seeing all these moments of the ducks coming together with Coach Bombay. 
uh, a voiceover speech from Coach Bombay is played. Um, and we learn that the Ducks will be enrolling in Eden Hall Academy, which my first thought is, is this a letdown after they just won like a junior Olympics situation and now their big step is that they get to go to school? Um, but they're going to they're gonna go to this fancy prep school called Eden Hall. And in our very first scene, we learn that Coach Bombay is not going to be the coach this year. Um, and he tells what I wrote was 16-year-old Joshua Jackson later find out that he is 14 years old. Mm-hmm. This film. The actor or the movie in the movie, the character. Well, I wrote 16 year old Joshua Jackson, meaning Charlie, but he tells Charlie. So in the movie, he's 14. Right. In the movie, he's okay. 14. And he says, We've been together for four years. So again, that's why I think they were supposed to be 10 in the first one. It's very confusing. Sorry, go ahead. But so, a, what's the gap year? The, okay. Yeah, I don't. So this I mean, it would make is, sense if it were the AHL season, but then that doesn't make sense because in my movie they were like, it was the next season. I'm, go ahead. Sorry, none of it makes sense. Sorry, go ahead. So sorry, go ahead. Coach Bombay tells Charlie that he's not going to coach them this year because now apparently he's been offered a job to run all junior hockey for the entire world, which <laughs> is <laughs> which is like not a job. Um, but they all got these JV scholarships to come like replace this school's JV team and now be the new JV team. The Ducks are going to be the new JV team for Eden Hall. So that's, that's the setup of the movie. So Joshua Jackson says to Emilio Estevez, while we're still in the credits before they have even said written and directed by, Charlie, Charlie says, you don't understand. You don't even have a clue because he's going to leave and not be their coach anymore. So what we learn is that this is going to be a movie where Charlie Conway is upset. Charlie uh, has abandonment issues. <laughs> So seven minutes in uh, to the movie, they are starting with early struggles and we meet this varsity team who, this guy who we never even learned his name, but I'm going to call him Cliff because he looks like some character that would be named Cliff, says to him like, yeah, we're on varsity, the only hockey team, Uh, even though clearly there is a junior varsity hockey team. And then Cliff continues to say, and my brother got kicked off of JV because you guys came. So you just told us that there's only one hockey team, which is varsity, but your little brother, who we never meet, got kicked off the JV team to not play on it. Um, But fortunately, he then tells his buddy, and these are like, you know, the rich, this is like the rich prep school. So we're kind of in a Johnny Tsunami situation in the sense that Mm -hmm. like now these fish are out of water and they're in this fancy prep school. His dad is on the board and he's going to make sure that they lose their scholarships. So... um, then the dean, who's like this sort of like dorky dude, is giving a speech about how bringing the Ducks in is going to bring so many accolades to their school as this new junior varsity hockey team, because again, they are 14 years old. Uh, and in the meantime, Goldberg and Charlie and Averman and I think two other people are late. And so Goldberg, here in the third Mighty Ducks film, still can't skate. And he's on rollerblades and he completely doesn't know how to rollerblade and he's backwards and he gets caught in a sheet and they do end up doing a jump off of a bridge and landing and yet can't skate. Well, how long would you say that montage is? That montage intercut with the speech is gotta be five minutes. Solid five minutes of Goldberg can't skate. Just Goldberg can't skate. Keep that in mind for later. Um, they arrive at the speech and they're late and they knock down the whole thing and they're like, where are the ducks? And so everybody has a nice chuckle. 
Um, so basically then in the next scene, they're like looking at this anteater and the Dean is telling them like, you can learn a lot from ants, like especially like what your place is, is in society. And then like somebody makes a joke like, does that make you the queen bee? And everybody's like, har, har, har. And I'm like, I don't know what this is for. <laughs> um, so then the next, very next scene, we're in the hallway and this girl asks Charlie if she wants to sign, if he wants to sign a petition to change the name of the school's team, which is the Warriors. But apparently their logo is like some sort of problematic situation. What we come to find out is that this logo is like a knockoff of the Washington football team logo, but they're called the Warriors. And this girl, her name is Linda, which is a terrible name for a 13 year old girl. Uh, <laughs> is like, do you want to sign my petition to like change the name of the team? And Charlie Kaufman, Charlie Conway. Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> Charlie Conway is like, Conway I'm against cancel culture. In the year of our Lord, 1996, says, war isn't so bad. You've got, I'm going to say the quote. I wouldn't normally. You've got the Indians, Giants, Braves, Redskins. So that's 1996, Joshua Jackson. He's, he's, he's saying that the Warriors is an okay name because of those other names? Yes, correct. Instead of the okay, and so right, she's like, you wouldn't understand. Oh, you're a jock. I guess you wouldn't. Is Charlie understand. Conway a proud boy? <laughs> he's to consider very proud in this movie. Mm. So we get, they get to the rink and enter the new coach, Coach O'Ryan. Which upon hearing that coach's name, you think, oh, is it O apostrophe Ryan? Like he's an Irish guy? No, right. it's O'Ryan right. as in belt. Coach O'Ryan. Oh. Um, <laughs> is the new coach, and he starts off his speech by saying. My name is Coach O'Ryan. You can call me Coach or Coach O'Ryan. And you're like, sick. Great, great. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, very valuable imp information. So we learn in this little speech that A, he's all about defense, which over the course of the last two films, apparently the Mighty Ducks have never learned how to play never defense. Never played before. it once. I don't um, think any of them were defensemen. Right. Which of the players were defensemen? That's a very good point. And so A, he's all about defense, and B, he's a player there's going to be this JV versus varsity hockey game later to come later. And that's going to end up being the crux of the film. Um, so, so Charlie is no longer the captain. There is no captain and the captain will be named later. Ooh. So he watches the coach Orion watches one practice and then posts the team to the board in the locker room. And we find out that a Charlie's not the captain and B, Banks is now suddenly on the varsity team, even though later we find out that Coach Orion is only the junior varsity coach, but he is able to, I guess, decide to send team players up to the varsity team. But later there will be a rivalry between the varsity and the JV coach. You'll forget about it by the time we get to that. Um, what was the other big note, oh, Jay? And the other big news is finally... I'm trying Jay not Wolf? to steal his thunder, but boy, do I want to. Okay, well, finally what, Jay? <laughs> finally what? Sorry, my thing is broken. Hang on, I have to do this again. No, Jay, what? <laughs> finally. Why keeps doing this? Uh, Katie, I, I'll take this opportunity to compliment your restraint, because if you watched E2 and wanted to jump in and say things as much as I already want to jump in and say things to Jay's, yeah. incredible job. Just so you know. I wrote notes. <laughs> I jumped it on you a lot, and I'm like, she didn't do no, this for me. What do you want? No, 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 no. It was. <laughs> okay. I'm already like, oh, Jay, don't forget this. Oh, what about the? And it no, I didn't take notes anyway. till way too late, so I missed like the first half of yours. So you might have to remind me. 
Finally, Julie the Cat Gaffney is now the starting goaltender. Hey! Glass Finally, ceiling. He watched like, one practice and was like, oh, that guy? He, he literally asks him, when's the last time you practiced? He's, he's like, so Goldberg's like, we don't practice. We have fun and then we play oh games like, God. you know, like normal people. And Has he farted like, yet in this movie or no? Uh, no, he, there's a lot of pranks. And I have to be honest with you, during the prank montage, I went and made some food. So maybe there was a fart in there. Um, but, oh. uh, okay. So anyway, he posts the team... Banks is promoted to varsity. Charlie's not the captain anymore. Julie's the starting goalie. Three Those are the three moves. big moves. So then we're back with the varsity. Is Goldberg moving to Philly or not? Nah? <laughs> yeah, Goldberg is staying there. So then we're on the ice with the varsity team. And the only one who's like nice about the JV team is Scooter, who I just learned is the same guy who is plays Gunnar Stahl. Same like, actor as Gunnar Stahl. In this, in this movie, his name is Scooter. Um, Why? This is the only appearance he makes until the very end when he. How can you recast a main character? Well, they dyed his hair brown, so no. Actually, they dyed it blonde for D two. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I also noted at this point that every single person on the varsity team is at least twenty five years old. (laughs) Well, they're all seniors, right? So So that at least makes some sense. They're eighteen year olds. They're men, you know. Um. Now is when we see the logo for the first time, which again, I've already gone over is the fact that it is the Washington team's logo, but just like changed a very little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're in the dining hall and like, you know, there's like, oh, you can't sit here. The varsity sits here. And there's like some beef between Charlie and the varsity guys. And then Benny the Jet, what's his name in these movies? Luis Mendoza. Luis Mendoza is in there and he sits down next to like the prettiest girl at the table and he's like, hey, and she's like the freshman are over there and he's like, I'm trying to talk to you. And she's like, my boyfriend wouldn't like that. And then she like nods at the guy who's like Cliff, the big D-bag cocky guy. And he's like, oh, okay. And then when Cliff looks back over where, where he would be sitting, now Benny the Jet is underneath the table, crawling underneath the table, looking up all of these women's skirts and then looks directly into camera and smirks it was a weird choice Benny the jet later goes on to become a very problematic person this was not <laughs> a good situation I mean, problematic air horn i feel like we should have had like a sound effect every yeah. time yeah yeah that would be good um so they're all mad at this coach they think he's a drill sergeant he wants them to learn how to play this two-way hockey he wants them to learn how to play defense um, i mean it is th- it's not two way it's just hockey they yeah. do have to know how to play defense. You know how we uh, said in the first one that like the suggestion that's supposed to be the bad guy is like actually kind of good. Like everything the coach was saying was like, this actually makes a ton of sense. You don't get he to wants just them to play hockey. be the he captain. Want them to lasso. You should learn how to play defense and you have to get a B average instead of yeah. just C. Like he's Crazy. like, it's all good. What a drill sergeant. coaching advice. One more really important thing about Coach Ryan that I need to mention is that he is wearing a ribbed Adidas turtleneck. And that guy I looked for it and I cannot find where to buy one. So if you have eyes on where to get a rib okay. Adidas turtleneck, you come and find me okay. uh, I'm on the internet. So um, then what happens is now Charlie's outside and he's talking to Linda, his love interest, who Linda. is 13 years old, 13 year old Linda. And he's sitting next to her waiting for the bus. And he's like, oh, hey, like, I, I, 
you know, I know you think I'm a jock, but I'm actually so much more than that. Like I'm Charlie, I'm 14 years old. That's where you find out that he's 14 years old. Damn. And I, you know, I like music and all this other stuff. And she's like, well, I also like music and sick. He, he's like, what do you like? And she's like, I like Pantera. And he's like, I also like Pantera. And no, so you like, don't. What? <laughs> no, you don't, Charlie. Um, and he like explains to her that it'd be really cool if she comes to the game and she's like, keep talking. And so like, we're going to see what happens between Charlie and Linda. Sick. I can't wait. How we get to the game. And this is their very first game. And we find out that the team is called the Warriors and the people have tomahawks in the stands. Why? And, uh, Washington's they... going to rename their team the Warriors, aren't they? Yeah. Right. Uh, after D3. So, no, just because it's like, it's problematic in this movie, but they can get away with saying that it's not. It could mean any kind of soldier. Yeah. Sorry, it was a side. It was an aside. Go ahead. Um, so what happens is in the very first game, and they only play one game in the league, the entire movie, um, the, they go up like, and they just keep scoring goals. And it's just like a montage of all the fun stuff that we've learned about all these characters from the force course the first two movies so like we get a knuckle puck and we get a like Mendoza can't stop goal and we get like Charlie all of a sudden is like the best player on the team even though like he didn't even didn't play in the finals in the last one because he's like I'm not as good as everybody else and basically they're up nine to nothing and we go into the third period and Aberman starts off at the face off and just tells the other guy like we already did this like we already won you might as well give up and then the other team goes on to score nine goals in a row tying it at nine to nine. Why? Um, in the very last moment of the game, Charlie has the puck. And the other theme of this movie is that Charlie doesn't pass. Because last movie, he was so giving that he decided he's not even going to play. And this movie, he needs the puck. He needs to score. He needs to be the star. So Charlie's got the puck at the last second and he doesn't pass. And so they don't end up getting the go-ahead goal because somebody takes it and they go back and they score on them and it's nine to nine and it's a tie. And nine to nine is not a score that any normal hockey game would ever have. So they all get into a big fight in the locker room. The coach comes in. He's like, hey, you guys can't act like this. And Charlie's all upset. And he like runs away. Then we move into the prank montage because that is what happens after. And oh, and also the board members of the team are like all like, oh, you can't like, oh, this is really looks really bad for you, sir. Like you gave all these kids scholarships and they're just out here getting ties, like blah, blah, blah. And the coach is like, you guys need to learn how to play defense, obviously. <laughs> then we start pranking. <laughs> and the first prank is Kenny Wu is like um, getting his lunch stolen or something like that. And uh, then basically like you have seen shots of horses on the campus for some reason, even though like they're at school. Yeah, students um, just riding around horses. That's what happens at prep school. So then uh, Charlie and Fulton go and they have their this bag and they like come in and the guys are like oh we're gonna take your lunch too and Charlie's, Charlie's like no my mom made me really special brownies and then the bully guy like opens it and it turns out to be horse shit um and then like literally every single person in the entire team runs after these two guys there's no culmination of this moment it's just all of them running out of the dining hall after each other and the dean gets trapped behind a glass door and is just like oh well those, Those darn kids. kids are at it again. Um, so then there's more pranks. There's like a frozen Jersey prank. And I don't remember what the last prank was because I was in the middle of making my salad. Um, my like, salad. They put the duck's clothes in the shower. Then they used like liquid nitrogen or something on their clothes. 
Yeah. And there was the, the first so they get liquid nitrogen. The chem lab, the chemistry. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the dinner, I think, is the big one. Yeah. Oh, and then so they, they invite them out to this big dinner and they're like, you know, I know we've had our differences, but we always do this. And it's like the varsity invites the JV out for dinner and they go to this really nice restaurant. And then they're like, okay, one more thing. We all got to just go outside first. And then everybody in the varsity team gets up and leaves. And then they like bring out the bill and the freshmen have to pay for the bill. And it's $841, which for a dinner for 25, it's insane. $841 is extremely reasonable. A steal extremely reasonable especially because we've definitely noted that these kids are in a very affluent but situation, you do have to know so. that they're not drinking wine they're 14. Mm, that is fair i guess that does bring the bill down so maybe it is Quite kind a of bit. expensive they're not drinking buffalo trace jay oh it's just so delicious um so charlie and fulton quit the team is what happens next like what? they go to practice and the coach is all upset that they won't learn how to play defense. And Charlie's like, we're not this team. We're ducks. And he's like, anybody else feel that way? And then Fulton follows Charlie off the ice. So the two of them decide to quit. And Just the two? Uh, nobody else just thinks nobody they're a Nobody else duck? quits. Um, okay. So then ha- Charlie goes to Hans. And we remember that Hans is in this movie. And for the record, no shout out to Jan anywhere. Like yeah, Jan was just gone. a visiting character. <laughs> And now he's gone. We're back with Hans. And Hans tells Charlie, like, Charlie's like, I'm so upset. He took away my Captain C and he doesn't even let him let us be ducks. And Hans is like, Charlie, maybe, maybe there's a message that it wasn't the sea, but about what's underneath the sea. And Charlie's like, Hans always has to, to be the one to explain life to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, Charlie's not willing to hear any of that information. And it's very obvious that Hans is about to die because after Charlie straight up leaves the house, Hans looks like wistfully after Charlie and goes, goodbye, Charlie. We find out two scenes later that Hans does die. But before that, we get a montage of Fulton and Charlie playing hooky for the day and like going to some like theme park. Mall of America. Was it Mall of America again? Theme park. No, it was outside. No, it was inside. Shout out to the Mall of America in all three movies. Okay, so they go back to Mall of America. They play hooky. Some guys like you guys playing hooky. I did a lot of that when I was your age, and you're like, "That's oh, okay." Uh, <laughs> and um, they eat so much that they have to puke at the same time into a garbage can. Like one's head is on one side of the garbage can, and one's head is on the other side of the garbage can. And the security guard is waiting for them to finish puking before he's like, "All right, that's enough." And then like it takes them out, and well, then they like, go back go back to their alley that they always hang out in, and Fulton's like. Charlie's like, that was fun, huh? Can't wait to do it tomorrow. And Fulton's like, what are we going to, we're just going to keep doing this? Like, what's going to happen? And Charlie's like, nah, man, we'll just like do this. And then like in three years, we'll go play juniors in Canada. Like, you don't even need to worry about it. And Fulton for the first time is like, maybe I don't want to play hockey for my whole life. I'm sorry. And like leaves Charlie. And now Charlie's all on his own. And the next scene, he goes to the diner. And that's when he finds out Hans is dead. So Charlie is really, truly all alone. And then we go to Hans's funeral. And this is the first time that we've seen Gordon Bombay since the first moment of the movie. And he shows up for the funeral and they put, and Gordon Bombay unwraps a duck's jersey and puts it on top of the casket. Oh, but, ducks never, but ducks never say die. And I said, to, I thought to myself, dear God, please don't let anyone ever put a jersey onto my casket. And <laughs> Wait, um, unless it's I, Lamar Jackson. I had a plan. <laughs> that, ju- that Lamar jersey you've ordered will finally come. Oh, gosh. Goddamnfanatics.com. And so uh, then the next scene, so Charlie like leaves the funeral as that's happening because Charlie's all pissed off. 
Then the next morning at Charlie, like the alarm goes off, Charlie wakes up. To no one in particular, he goes, 6 a.m., I didn't even set my alarm. And from the corner, Gordon Bombay, who is sitting in the room awake, goes, I set it for you. And you're like, what? Okay. Uh, so then he's like, come on, Charlie. I want to take you around and show you some stuff. And Charlie's like, no. And he's like, I'm going to take you around and show you some stuff. And Charlie's like, no. And then he's, he's like, I'm going to take you around and show you some stuff. And Charlie's like, no. And so he, he says that happens four Charlie's, times. Charlie's mattress and dumps him on the ground. He's like, I'm going to take you around and show you some stuff. Uh, and so then he does. Uh, and what he does is he takes him to the arena. And shows and, him some stuff. And he shows him some stuff. And let me tell you what stuff he shows them, him. Coach Orion is on the ice figure skating with a little girl in a wheelchair. And Gordon Bombay tells us that's his daughter. She got in a car accident. He was actually really good and like playing in the pros. And then he, when the Minnesota North Stars moved to Dallas, he decided not to go with the team because his daughter was so adjusted to the society. How and, does Gordon Bombay know all this? Cause they're like buddies, I guess. Um, and earlier in the movie, I forgot to mention Charlie makes some comment to the coach about how he's like an NHL husband and like couldn't even stay on the team. So Why is everybody using that as an insult? There, so you pee wee so kids. There is so one like, kind of big part that you miss, Jay. The when they played each other, when JV and Varsity played each other at dawn. Uh, I think that's next. Okay. I would. I think I wrote it down. The big game? No, there's like a. a Pre like before a, Charlie quits, um, they do the dinner and then there's the fire ants and then they challenge oh, them right. to the match right. and then that's when because they play them in their ducks jerseys, and then the coach shows up and like separates them and makes everybody give back their ducks jerseys and that's which is when he plays. says I'm a duck and that's when yeah. that happens. All right, yeah. well that's now we're so, caught up. Yeah, so Sorry. there was that. There was that game and they got trounced by the varsity. I think, I think Jay was just frozen. He probably told us that part, but he was just frozen for it. Yeah, or Definitely. I was eating eating my salad at that point and it wasn't typing. So um, then what happens is Charlie's finally like, oh, I guess the coach is really good at hockey. And it's like, yeah, it took you learning that he like has a daughter who was in a very bad car accident to come around to that, but sure. And so then he walks him around the school and like finds a photo of him and explains that like he was on the hockey team. Um, and he like basically it was like you know you need to be the man who's the heart of the team um and as soon as like he makes another gordon mumbay speech about like how what kind of man charlie needs to be i'm like this is about to be a montage of like them doing like mighty ducks crap now and it is and they go out and then they all play street hockey together um because that's what everybody's doing and they're like oh charlie finally you're back and fulton's there and then they all play street hockey, including Bombay. And then the next scene, like they're on the bus going to some game and Charlie gets on the bus and is like, d doesn't apologize to coach Orion, but is like, coach, I want to play two-way hockey. I want to be back on the team. And the coach is like, all right, go get in. We got to hurry up. And they're about to pull away. But then the Dean is like, hang on, I need to make an announcement and comes on and is basically like, all right, you guys, like we've loved having you, but actually your scholarships have been revoked. So you guys have till the end of the semester, but then you're kicked out. Um, and you're going to need to pursue other educational opportunities. And then they have to explain to the Texas guy what that means. Uh, and then basically they all get off the bus. So now they're not going to play the game. And the coach is like, we're going to fight this. And so now all of a sudden the coach is like, oh, the coach says to the dean, he's like, we need to talk. And he gets off the bus. And the coach, the coach says to the dean, like, these are good kids. You haven't given me a chance with them yet. Like, 
if they go, I go, and Dean's like, well, we're going to miss you. And you're like, wow, there is, there's no love in the heart of the city. So then um, they go to this board meeting and basically like they're like saying their case and the Dean's like, unless there's, you know, a board member who opposes this motion, like we're going to have to go ahead and withdraw this or continue with the removal of your scholarships. And then the coach is like, well, we're actually going to bring in our attorney. Gordon Bombay. Gordon Bombay. <laughs> Let's go. So Gordon Bombay comes in and the Dean's like, well, this isn't a legal proceeding. And Gordon Bombay is like, yeah, not yet. Uh, and he gives them just like the most awesome Gordon Bombay legal speech where he's like, not only am I going to tie you up for years, these kids will long have since graduated. I'm going to win. And you know why I'm going to win? Because I'm very good. And you know why I'm very good? Because I got to go to a great school like this one. And these kids need that same opportunity. And basically all the board members now have to like vote to reinstate them and they get reinstated. So then the varsity dudes are all pissed off that they like get to stay at the school. And they're like, well, yeah, you're going to stay, but we're still going to like just destroy you when we play the varsity JV game. Um, and in the midst of this, Goldberg also says like, if we win, the Warriors die and the Ducks fly and everybody's like, yeah, whatever. And it's like kind of understated, but it's the same thing that happens in Johnny Tsunami when they're like going to decide if it's the urchins or the... What does um, Goldberg have to do with it? He's not playing. Why is he on scholarship anyway? He is... So then the coach is on board and we're at practice and the coach all of a sudden out of nowhere goes, hey, you guys aren't skating like Warriors. And we're like, oh no, what's going to happen? He's like, you're skating like Ducks. And he's got oh, a God. big box and gives them all oh, Mighty Ducks boy. jerseys. Okay. Um, so now they're all Ducks and they quack and we crossfade from them in a circle quacking to the racist logo that uh, has Sick. to go. Okay. Um, and so, like just like that, we're in the varsity JV game. Um, and the other coach we meet for the first time and is like a big jerk and says they don't belong on our ice and they don't even belong in our school let's show them why and all the varsity guys are like yeah uh and we get a quack 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 and uh banks is now back on the ducks and goldberg now plays defense wait why is banks on the ducks so there was like a moment in the um proceeding after the proceeding when they were having the fight about the ducks name and all that stuff about how they're all gonna get beat up and they were like Banks was like, so what happened, Ashley? They, were, they like, were like, you had an advantage last time. You had one of us. Oh, they're like, right. take Banks. We don't care. We don't need him. Yeah, we don't need him. And then Poor Banks like, just gets fucking disposed. And then, like, and then yes, later in the game, they're like, you made a big mistake leaving us. And he's kind of like, well, you technically gave me away. Yeah, anyway, he's like, I didn't ask uh, for any of this, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, so then we're in the game. And now Charlie is uh, finally ready to play defense, uh, though it did take him through movies to get here. Also, there's a student announcer, and here's the thing. There are announcers in all of these movies. But what I want to know is, who decided that there was going to be announcers at a JV varsity hockey game? And where is it getting broadcast to? Because Hans was listening earlier on the radio. So I yeah, guess this was. is a radio station. I'm telling you, in D1, they were always on the front page of some new hockey news publication that I'm like, what? who's writing this? Okay. Well, also, there's a lot of good turtlenecks, I noted at this point. Like, this I think also Charlie's coverage. mom is wearing We don't know why Banks is on JV now, but we do know who had a turtleneck um, on and what's So, basically, because this movie is about learning how to play defense as opposed to playing offense, like, before when we were getting, goal, you know, like, nine to nine games, 
it's zero zero. So there's like some moments in the game and Julie's making saves and they're making saves. And I gotta say, even though I'm hundred percent pro Julie, the shots that they showed of her making saves were not particularly like artful ones. I, I don't think that she looked as good as she could have been. That's sexism. Um, <laughs> I think it was bad filmmaking, but yeah. anyhow. Um, Sexist filmmaking. Yes, agreed. Are you surprised so, there was a scene where they looked up girls' skirts? You know, they're not, yeah, they don't really not respect great. Julie the cat. Not great. So two periods go by, it's zero to zero. This student announcer radio kid has Paul Correa, like the most famous Anaheim duck at the time during this movie, on the show. And he's like, I'm joined now by Paul Correa. Paul, what do you think about this game? And then like he and Paul Correa talk about this game. And I'm like, who booked Paul Correa for this junior varsity varsity non-league game radio show? We We're just bitter because we can never get he's, guests. He's good. Yeah, <laughs> he's good and we all we uh, and I was gonna say, well, of course he could. Bur- Dis- he Disney owned the team, and then it's like right. we also work for Disney. We can't. Be <laughs> all Korea, if you're listening, we want to have you on. So at the second intermission, also what happens is Portman, who has not been on the team this whole time because he decided to stay in Chicago, shows up and is like, "Hey, I got this contract, and my lawyer said I should sign it, so here I am." And everybody's like, what? Portman's back. And somehow there's an available jersey that has his name on it already. And it's like ready for him. And he comes out on the ice and the Bash Brothers are reunited. Then we get like another five minute Bash Brothers montage of them just like hitting people at the same time. And then like high-fiving when there's like, obviously there's a game still going guys. So like, it's great that you made a hit, but there's probably the puck is still loose. So like make sure that you're playing (laughs) defense. Um, And uh basically should we talk about when he's go ahead yeah portman so write it down great bash brothers montage and then portman gets called for a penalty goes to the penalty box classic dean portman all pissed off that he's going to the penalty box and then decides he's just going to start taking off all of his clothes so he takes off literally everything he's wearing and then starts dancing completely shirtless i wrote honestly he's ripped uh and (laughs) The dean turns to the like angry board member who he's sitting next to and is like, he's taking a dance class. And you're like, uh, what dean? I, that's, this is a problem for me. So, um, so it's zero zero. It's like the last second of the game. They've played defense. Everybody's like, it's super tense. Finally, Charlie gets a breakaway um, while they have a five on three. So there was another penalty that happened after Dean goes to the penalty box. It's five on three and the coach chooses Charlie and somebody and Goldberg to play. And Goldberg's like, me? And the coach is like, you earned it. And Goldberg, who could not skate no. for a five-minute montage at the beginning of this film, has is it. chosen to be in a five-on-three with two minutes left. Yeah. But he's so a goalie. They, now he's a skater that. now. So, so they somehow hold him. And in the last 20 seconds, Charlie gets a break or the – Announcer calls it a breakaway, but there's still two defenders in front of him. I'm like, that, sir, is not a breakaway. And then both defenders, like, even though they've been, like, the best hockey players of all time, fall on their faces, and it's just Charlie, and he's doing the triple deke, and then he passes it backwards Whoa, to gross. Goldberg. That's gross. And Goldberg's like, what am I supposed to do with this? And everybody in the arena is like, shoot. And the guys have time to get up off of their asses and come for Goldberg, and Goldberg manages to shoot it. He scores. Oh, of course. They cheer. It's one to nothing. The game ends. 
the varsity team has been defeated. The coach comes out, the evil coach comes out and like shakes Coach Orion's hand and is like, oh, we'll see you on Monday. And then what? Scooter, who we have not seen since the initial scene when he's like, hey, those guys aren't so bad, comes out and kisses Julie what? on the cheek What's and says, great game, Gaffney, and like smiles. And she's like, thanks. And I'm like, none of this was set up. Benny the Jet is making out with Cliff's girlfriend and says, it was our little secret. And you're like, what? What? And then Gordon Bombay, who's smiling from the stands, like does some magic and pulls a thing. And then a new logo unfolds where it says Eden Hall Ducks. What? And everyone starts to quack. Charlie meets up with Linda and he's like, I guess it wasn't so bad, huh? And she's like, you were great. And then they kiss and then he doesn't say bye. He just skates <laughs> away. And then they're all celebrating together and Emilio uh, walks away and like disappears, even though like everybody's celebrating because his work is done here. Then we fade into one final clip, again in sepia tone, of Coach Bombay and Charlie high-fiving from the original Mighty Ducks movie. And then there is like an, the cheesiest After Effects explosion on their high five. And that, my friends, is the end of the film. Oh my God. <laughs> what a film. Uh, what a film. Agree. All right, now we are greeted with the task, figuring out the definitive power ranking of these films. And I will say, again, I watched one and two. I always have said two is the best. And after watching them, I was like, I actually do believe in my heart of hearts now that one might be a better movie than two. But after hearing one, two, and three, I feel like one established, obviously, what the movie was. Mm -hmm. Two was really gimmicky lots of gimmicks in yeah. the second one and then three was sort of like unexplained changes in all the characters that are just like all of a sudden charlie who was the nice kind coach one who would give up anything for the team is like i'm going off on my own and like they don't really explain it and like goldberg who can't skate it gets to score the winning goal in the big game like it just like feels kind of like they got excited like they had this thing and then they kind of slacked off in the third one plot wise let's say number one boils down to like it's the the adult problem is the genesis of the movie which is like gordon bombay gets in trouble and he, it's sort of like his redemption story with these ragtag kids getting their big shot um the second one is uh the plot is just like america versus this hockey powerhouse lol of iceland um <laughs> that had two rinks total at the time this movie was written in the entirety of the country um up, up versus like capitalism and the pressures to give in and change and become something that you're not and then the third one is that they go to a prep school and then are like not welcomed there and have to fight to change the institution from the inside right those are the plots mainly yeah. um i don't know i'm curious to know your guys thoughts ashley you watched all three i did watch all three um it felt like the stakes went down between two and three definitely drastically like the big win was in some like inter-school scrimmage but it but the victim no but the, repercussions the enemy was racism 
That's true. They did vanquish Rick. They racism. took down. I mean, look, we've seen it's a hard fought battle to get a, a, somebody to change their nickname. That's I true. mean, I think we do touch on racism a little bit in the third when Keenan Thompson is like, I don't know how I feel about the ratio of brothers at this school. Cause like mm. Jesse Hall isn't even back. He's like the only black guy on the team. And you look around the school and I don't think there's another black person. There. Oh yeah. And like there's the one black right? teacher and you're just like, what? We're getting less diverse as we go in this franchise. Yeah, that's crazy. No sense. Um, I think they made the third one because Disney had bought the team and like wanted to use it as like a promotional thing. They bought the like, team in between the two movies, the right. one and two. Like they reference in the third, we got a pro, a pro team named after us. Huh. But Which, it happened before two. It did? Yeah. I thought it was in between two and three. I think it's between one and two. I could be, maybe I'm wrong. I thought it was. Well, in three, they're one. wearing the same jerseys as the pro team. They come out in the Ducks jerseys at the end of two. Oh, they do. In the jerseys that have the uh, the duck, yeah. that's like the gold, the best duck jerseys. Yeah, yeah, because Jan brings them. Remember, yeah. it's very yeah. important. Not Hans. Jan. Jan. It's the other thing. Hans and Jan are not people. So when he dies in the third one, it's very weird because they're just plot devices. They're just like the place that you go when something happens and you need to figure out what it meant, and you just like go to this plot device who's just always there sharpening a skate and ready to talk to you about the very obvious lesson that needs to be learned in whatever it was that happened to you moments before in the plot. Yeah, I think that's right. He's a nice father figure for everybody. For the troubled Bombay and young Charlie Conway. Everybody's troubled, but their troubles are always solved very quickly, which is really strange. Well, they are 14 or 10, Not depending. Gordon Bombay. It's true. That's true. He's, I don't know, 30? The exercise of this as um, assigned was that I'm supposed to come in here and argue. Yeah, okay, you're right. Sorry, we went off book on the podcast because it felt like we took way too long to no, all describe I, our movies. I, I was actually going to say the exercise that was assigned was that I'm supposed to come here and defend why D3 is the best Mighty Ducks movie. And mm -hmm. only having watched that one today, uh, I could argue the opposite that D3 is by far the worst Mighty Ducks movie <laughs> It is like, like hearing your, the two of your plot summaries, I was just like, oh, that, you know, I remember that scene. That was fun. This, like the arc makes sense. Mine was like, they played two hockey games total. Yeah. And the second one was not even a real game. It was a scrimmage, but well, there was, this, was there. There were three, because there was the scrimmage. Oh, there was the two scrimmages. Yeah, so there's two scrimmages in one game. I mean, th that being said, there were a lot of hockey games played in the second one, but no hockey played. Like it was very, the second one was like, oh, I roped a guy or, oh, the Bash Brothers are singing and banging on the glass or like, oh, Kenny Wu did figure skating and then tried to fight a goalie. And there's three guys in the penalty box, but five guys on the ice. Like it was like very weirdly sticky. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel like the shtick increased you know, like as you went, like the sound effects in the third one were like, oh, we're doing that. Okay, yeah, there we go. Oh, there's the, the scene in the first one where I, I think it's when they have Goldberg's dropped to the net and they're all about to shoot at him. There's like a gun loading sound when they bring their sticks back and then gun sound effects when they shoot at him. And I'm like, I don't think we oh, needed I think that. I, that. <laughs> I don't understand why that's necessary. Um, we need to, What I think we do need to talk about with two mm. is, the, is the cat disrespect. It's so infuriating. I forgot. So like the entire last game, 
when they're down three nothing in the first period going into the second i'm like okay the cat's gonna be in i said probably 15 times like they're gonna put julian now right like now's the time they put julian like it's your reasoning for keeping goldberg in was the hot hand and he clearly doesn't have it anymore because it's three nothing so you have to make a change to your goalie and they just don't put her in until literally the last goal yeah, they they say like the announcers over and over again. They're gonna need a miracle. They're gonna need a big change. There's gonna be need to something drastic. I'm like, what if you try changing the goalie? What if you tried that? You have someone else who can actually stop the puck. What if we what if we put her in? And then when they do finally take out Goldberg, it's to put in the knuckle puck. Yeah, they take out Goldberg for a non goalie before they put in Julie. It's fucking. I was like, are you kidding? I totally forgot. I was so mad about it. And then watching the third one made me even more furious because it was like she's, it was like the other coach watched one practice and was like, oh, this isn't close. This is like, why would this person who has a five minute montage about not being able to skate? Like the whole thing is he's like, Charlie, save me. Charlie, save me. I can't, what, stop? I can't steer myself. He couldn't rollerblade. And that, so one, that's the guy we had. And then he just becomes a skater, becomes a star defenseman. Dude still can't skate. And then gets to score the game-winning shot. It is the biggest load of bull crap. It is infuriating. It does feel like Goldberg gets a lot in these movies that he doesn't really earn. Whereas the others are all expected to go through these journeys to get He's just to the funny. place where they learn. Yeah, he farts, I think, is the thing. Yeah, farting's a big one. He farts and it's very funny. But also, he's supposed to be moving. So it's like, what's up with all the Goldberg? He just, you know, he gets a lot. And you're saying he's problematic? Yeah, he's in jail now. I forget why I meant to check. Ooh. But like, if you Google, like, where are they now? It's, uh, he's, it's, it's real bad. Let me look into that while you guys chat. All right. Um, I also find it criminal that we don't know a lot about Guy Germain. I, he scores so many goals. And I think he's just a plot device for the first, definitely the first movie. Maybe also in the second movie where it's like, how are these rag, who's scoring on this ragtag group of misfits? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, just a guy that we never really know about or, or have any info on is the one that keeps scoring. But um, the other ones are bad. Neither of you are listening right now. So well, I, I, I guess just, I'll just fill. He, petty theft it. and then meth. Ooh. Yeah, not great. Hope you uh, um, I read a, I read, I'm reading an article that says D3, the Mighty Ducks scrapped an anti-Semitism scene. And it was about how the producer wanted to have, this sounds like it was from D2, the original pro- plot line from D3, the Ducks failing to defend their title at the International Goodwill Games would have featured an off-the-ice fight triggered by an anti-Semitic comment directed at Ducks Jewish goalie, Greg Goldberg, hmm. which this is the first time I'm learning that he is Jewish. I guess that makes sense. But Yeah, I think that it was like implied lightly. Um, yeah. But also it's a Disney movie and I think they assume you hear Goldberg and you... Yeah. yeah. Wild. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it, it's um, it's weird because in the first one, Guy is like really good and just makes out with Connie the whole time. And then we get like less and less and less and less of him mm. as the films go on. It's like you forget he's in the third one. Yeah, and like, he's like Adam Banks is supposed to be like the absolute star. And like, I don't know that we see him play. Like, why isn't he on the ice instead of Goldberg in the five on three? The dude was just on varsity. He knows that team better than anybody. What are you thinking, Coach O'Ryan? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Also, we kind of... 
we glossed over how when he gets benched, Goldberg decides he's just going to get Julie really fat oh, yeah, and starts sorry. feeding her pastries and carbs and like There's to the point where she throws the, up. He's in the dining hall with her and he's like, the, the way that you can really have enough energy is by carbo loading. And he oh, gives her like, like a whole, mean girls. It's better whole tray yeah. of donuts. And then the next scene they're at practice and Julie's puking over the boards and he's like, Goldberg, get a net. But then what? Julie ret- retains her spot. She just puked that one time. What? And then she like doesn't trust Goldberg anymore, which- And I'll- she shouldn't. Yeah, you it's real messed up. You're on the same team. All- Imagine being always being behind the farting guy. It's just too much. <laughs> Who's not good and you're good? It's, I mean, he's garbage. Inf- it's so infuriating. It is so infuriating. The, the main takeaway for me from all these movies is like, Charlie needs therapy. Charlie needs therapy really badly. And it's yeah. like really obvious in the first movie when he's like trying to pawn off his mom to Gordon Bombay. And he's just like desperate for a father figure. And like Gordon asks what happened to his dad. And he's like, oh, he, I don't really remember. I just know we got away. And like, Gordon's like, so who's she date? What's she into? Like, it's just, it's not an appropriate conversation to be having with who we now know is a 10 year old, 10 or 11 year old. And then he like winks at it. Like Gordon Bombay is like, we should go to the winter festival, the three of us later. And Charlie's like, no, nah, I think you should just go with my mom. Go for it. And they're like, what are you doing, Charlie? It's a, it's weird. And then that third movie where he's rebelling and he's like, I'm not going to go to school. I'm a bad kid now. And it's like, yeah, you just gotta, you, you have some issues you got to work out. But also like, your mom was present at every single practice and game in the first movie, and she's not coming to anything at your prep school stuff, was she? She was, no, the, she was there. It was a different she was actress. At the last game. But she was the actress. Well, there was also a bunch of like everyone was in that board meeting. She was in the board meeting, right? Yeah. There was like all the other students were in that board meeting. I'm like, why is Linda there? What does Linda yeah. care about this? Why is she there? Yeah, it's Linda very was strange. What was Linda doing at a board meeting? I, I don't know. I mean, normally Linda a is a name of a person who goes to a board <laughs> meeting, but in this movie, it's a child. Um, I forgot how absolutely adorable young Joshua Jackson was. And Just like the by cutest. the third movie, he's huge. He's like a man. He like clearly hit puberty. He's taller than everyone. And his voice went down like six octaves. Yeah, and you're like, he's super tall. oh, how, you're supposed to be 14 now? Like, yeah. it's just, it's crazy. But he's yeah. real cute. I think, I think my takeaway, and again, I have to watch three. I think my takeaway after watching two is that I think one might be the best movie, which I have said for years, two, then one, then three. And now I'm like, I don't know, two was just a little bit ridiculous. The introduction of Iceland as the hockey superpower was like, what? And so I looked it up and the guy who wrote the movie said that after the first movie, they were like, uh, like, uh, Michael Eisner or whatever called him into his office and was like, I need another movie out of you. And he's like, cool, I can do it over the summer and blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, uh, I need it in two weeks. And so the guy like wrote it really fast. And he said that he wanted to make the, the obvious choice for the superpower that they'd be going up against was Russia. But like feelings towards Russia had just started thawing. And so he didn't want to reignite that by making them our enemy, which I was like, that seems, that seems- He just made Iceland yeah. Russia? Well, so then he was like, well, I need a country that um, that we can turn into the villain. Uh, Germany was just too loaded. They're also an obvious villain, but it was like too loaded of a, a topic or whatever. And then he was like, so I needed a, a cold country that nobody really knew anything about, but I could sort of project the, um, the traits of Russia onto. <laughs> and he was like, Iceland. And it has the word which, ice in the which, name. So it's why wouldn't Why wouldn't you choose... Finland or Sweden because he didn't know because he didn't you couldn't really google 
then. Yeah, and like, he just didn't, he didn't know anything about Iceland. And then like, Iceland thought it was so funny when the movie came out because they were like, we have two hockey rinks in our The screenwriter not being able so to funny. Google it is not a good reason. No, I know. <laughs> I'm just giving what was in the article where he was like, we didn't no, really know. know anything. And it was like, it was assuming that, like, take a country Americans didn't know anything about that you could just put a bunch of, like, trains. I mean, we all bought it. We all bought it hook, line, and sinker. Well, the, the kid, thing is, go ahead. Go ahead. Like, the, I, you can buy, again, if they're, like, 11 year old, 11 years old, you could arguably be like, yeah, this random country has a bunch of really good 11 year old hockey players and this coach is a jerk. Like, we see from the players that the players are actually not that bad. Like, it's the coach that's the real ass. Yeah. So like I I bought it. Like I I don't think their country necessarily had anything to do with it. It was just like, oh, this guy's a jerk and they're yeah. really good. Well, and the other thing, there was a um there was an Icelandic actress. The reason that they he picked Iceland, I think, was because he saw this like soap opera or something, and there was an Icelandic actress, and he was like, perfect. Um, so they like had her on set helping them with their accents to try to get it to sound Icelandic, but she was only there for the earlier parts that they shot and she was gone by the end and so the actor who played Gunnar Stahl said that like his lines that he has to deliver like when he was like something Captain Duck or whatever at the end he's like I was doing a Russian accent and you can tell because there was nobody there to be like that's not how you would say that and so it was just like a just a funny little tidbit he got to redeem himself in D3 when he had a a completely different part (laughs) did he have an accent in that part no 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 why would they recast Gunnar Stahl that doesn't make any sense like we're really happy with his performance i guess and like he could skate he he could skate i did read that he was like one of the only cast members that could play that is he was the goalie in (laughs) one and two the uh the stunt doubles they used for the mall of america stuff were ridiculous the scene with the 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 duck whistle where he's like gathering all the people Mm -hmm. every time they cut to them jumping over something it was so funny how not anything like the characters the stunt doubles were the goldberg montage too is like it's just like the cutaways to like the like you could just see their faces when you're doing the montage and then the rest is like crazy stunt doubles. I think in the second one, what was hard for me to buy was that Gordon Bombay would, they painted it like this new character arc for him when really, if you're paying attention to the character, it would be him kind of reverting back to who he was. And they made it seem like, oh, he's buying into all of this capitalism and all this like, oh, they're, they're the sponsor wants to give you this house and they want you to be in this ad. And like the, that the character didn't recognize that he was going back to being a dickhead, which was the plot of the first movie, his development right. in realizing that it's about fun, that he had to like relearn that again in the second movie was like, this is, but he just learned this lesson. It's like, how dumb is this coach that he can just be, oh, I'm going this way. Oh, I'm going this way. And it did not help that Emilio Estevez, A, grew his hair out for the second movie. <laughs> and it was awful. I kept being distracted by how the back was touching the top of his suit. It was just like, <laughs> cut it in the back. What are you doing? <laughs> and then also his acting in the second one, you could tell he was just like, I don't give a shit about this movie that I signed up to be in. Well, in, in the, the third movie, one, he, was, he like, didn't acting. give such a shit that he was like, I'm not going to be in this besides well, He probably scenes, was like, I so only want to be in scenes. four scenes. Yeah he, yeah, he wasn't, he didn't really show up for it. Charlie Conway is probably crying somewhere because he quit them, clearly, yeah. as an actor. I just think he was, he was his best in the first Doing movie. Fine. And the first movie, to me, makes the most logical sense. I don't know, I'm shocked by this. Mm. Ashley, defend too. Well... <sighs> I don't, I don't know how to defend two. I think like the biggest, the biggest thing you can argue about why two is better is the stakes 
obviously are significantly higher. Mm. You're on a national stage. You're not just like, it's not a one-off win, you know, against the Hawks. It's like, you have to like get better as a team and build this whole new team chemistry with outsiders. You're not just these kids from Minnesota. Now there are all these other big personalities that we have to rope together. If you will, nice. you know, to join as one. That's right. That's right. And you see these kids, like they're really like away from their support systems. They're like in a dorm able to like grow into, you know, really mature 12 year olds who have to have to go through the abandonment of their coach. Like before they were like young people who had nobody and then they got a person and they succeeded. Then it's like in the second one, they have someone, they lose them. They have to come together on their own. They have to get Mm. taught by, Mm. you know, the roller hockey reminded by the roller hockey team on the streets. Mm, what they right. what representing your country really means yeah. and they really come together before bombay like has his return to the good guy moment which is kind of cool it's like they do it by themselves without just bombay realizing he needs to burn a cardboard cut out of himself it is interesting that scene was painful um but it is interesting that like this team you know the the ducks are set up in the first movie as like ragtag kids nobody will take a chance on and the rest of the movies are them being given these opportunities that don't make sense that they did not earn and but then keeping their ragtag nobody cares about us mentality like they made the USA team without a tryout because they did so well against a known great team the Hawks the Hawks don't get to just become the 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 goodwill games usa team right and then they clear out a jv that a bunch of kids lose their scholarships to give these scholarships to the ducks who don't deserve them and then they spend the whole time feeling like it's like they keep this underdog mentality but they are being given these opportunities that are like you don't deserve that yeah that's fair it's like it doesn't make any sense that again 10 year old underdogs that win peewee hockey in a in a town in minnesota then are representing the country like the best like i i played very competitive soccer in the olympic development program when i was a teenager and there are so many camps that you have to go through to even like make the state level and then there's the regional level and then there's the national level and like to think that you would just pick one club team and be like you're, we're going to start with you as our base and just add a couple people who yeah. can't stop. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, and this one figure skater who, you know, has potential, I guess, when they're like, <laughs> again, the whole Hawks team is out there, like clearly better that like you couldn't, you can't tell me that like one dude from the Hawks isn't better than Dwayne Robertson or whatever. Like it doesn't make any sense. That really bothers me. I think ultimately you want to see the movie about the group of, kids in the neighborhood who end up winning and like they can beat the really good team and then from there we the entire franchise just really kind of lost its way it it got too big for its its hockey boots mm. and skates. yeah famously called skates <laughs> yeah that's for that's its blade shoes it outgrew those <laughs> it grew out the shoes with they the, really put a top on that building thing. That kept yeah, them under it, it. it's, it's really, like they really ran into the wall above 
they were they coming right up against it. You know? Yeah, they just abutted <laughs> uh, that that glass top thing, and it was just mm. the house hat. They just ran into it <laughs> over and over. Yeah, it really was just a little too far. So I think here's the case I will make for two. It's like you could argue the first movie was like a fluke. It's like the little giants, which I know Katie loves. It's like one in a hundred times that team will beat this team. Like you just have to do it once. D2 is like, you actually have to take what you learned and build on it and become better and now go in with all these expectations and all this pressure from the outside to continue succeeding and then deliver on that, which is a different level of pressure. Yeah. That's why people say there's a sophomore slump, you know? Yeah. I also think that we shouldn't be, uh, we're, because this was the task at hand, we're being overly critical of these three movies that we obviously love. They were so fun to watch. The the tone right now is getting very like, look, I think this franchise might actually just be garbage. And it's like, no, (laughs) I love these movies. I think we're just uh, torn between, hi, buddy. What'd you say? Daddy's a (laughs) porn. Daddy's a porn? Daddy's watching porn. What's up? What'd you say? <laughs> oh, Daddy's boring. Oh, that's oh, true. That's that is... I'll agree with that. Better than what I thought wow. he said. Yeah, it's definitely. Better I was than like, the what's up? Stick. What did I say? It was either it was either the porn thing or Daddy's abhorrent, which I was like, excellent Daddy's vocabulary abhorrent. for that your is child. Great. It's rude, and it's you gotta you know go to timeout, but <laughs> great vocab. Yeah. I don't know. What were we saying? I don't well, remember. D three, growing from D two to D three. They really did try to take a jump, and I appreciate that. They tried to get in. They 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 learned from some successful decoms that had been around them, I think, and they learned that like boarding school stuff is cool. So then they tried to put them in a boarding yeah, board school. Board meetings. You need a board meeting too. You need a board meeting. You need like the preppy guy named Cliff who doesn't actually have a name. Romantic who, interests. The romantic interests. You need a new the the new coach thing really was an interesting tactic. That was that was cool because Emilio didn't have to. You just muted yourself, Jay. Well, I was making a point, but my thing just stopped again. And it really is irrelevant. The, the point is that Changing D3 the was, yeah. they, were, they changed the coach and it was just the same journey as D2, which was, oh, the coach doesn't really support us. We got to learn to do it on our own. Oh, look, the coach supports us now that we're all so good and now we're all together. And that's helpful. So it was kind of the same thing. And the stakes were so much lower that it's hard to say that D3 was objectively better than D2. But what I will say is that it is a movie. Yeah. D3. It is. Yes. And I, I enjoyed think, it. <laughs> I think it's interesting. It, like I think if they had approached it a little bit differently, which was like you take these people these kids who had this huge success again on a national stage and then you have to go back yeah to like your day-to-day life and it's more just with like dealing with the loss of the fame and the attention and having to like become a regular person like back to that I think would have been really interesting but instead it was they kind of approached it a different way so let's let's do this if you have to make the strongest argument for your film Let's all give those. So my strongest argument for why D1 is the best of the movies in the trilogy is that A, it establishes these characters that obviously lays the groundwork that doesn't have to be laid in the other ones and that they can build off of. Without the first movie, you can make that for any movie in a trilogy. Without the first one, you don't get the second and the third. Um, 
Also, I think it introduced an actual interesting story, which again, when you're the first movie, you can't kind of just count on people caring already about the franchise and going to see it based off of that. Um, so I think it was like an interesting plot. It was a true underdog story. And it was a hockey movie, which wasn't really a sport that usually was getting its own movies. That was like genuinely interesting. And it had also this like adult so like storyline that ran along with it. So it was like dealing with Gordon's story while also dealing with these kids. And I think it was an, uh, a, 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 like a well-made story, which is why I think it is the, the best of the three. And it mixed the like actual plot with like hockey while there were still some hijinks because it's a kid's movie. Um, but it was like a, a well-made, well-rounded film. Mm. Well done. What's your best argument, Ashley, for two? My best argument for two is that it took the, the solid base that came from one and then just elevated everything. Like, can you hear him scream? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Myrtle's going nuts in her cage, too. Um, we have, like, we have a lot more hockey, which, like, I know the rules weren't great, but I thought for the most part they actually shot it pretty well. Like, it made the hockey games, like, seem interesting. Um, we have a, a wider net of kids that we're dealing with. We have much higher stakes on the line. So the whole second film is like, I'm gonna prove that the first film wasn't a fluke, that I can take this like success that we had that you could argue was like a one-off thing, prove we can do it again and we can do it bigger. Like you had Mike Madano, we're gonna have Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you beat the Hawks, we're gonna beat an entire other country. So they just kind of made everything a little bit bigger. Like we had this guy who was a scumbag and came came around and now we're going to tempt him to go off in that direction again where he can have that corporate success but still in his you know love of the hockey world and we've got to make sure he doesn't he can resist that temptation and like stay true to who he is as this new person as this kid's mentor and like coach and like help all these people grow you know charlie whose ident whole identity is defined by being a duck gives up his ability to play to like give his teammates a chance to like win, you know what I mean? Like everyone has like a second layer that they're building on. Mm. That's just a little bit better than the first layer. Mm. Okay, Thanks, we don't have to clap. I don't think we have to clap. I, I mean, you can. Here's the thing. <laughs> Go don't ahead, laugh Jay. The, the plots of both The Mighty Ducks and D2, The Mighty Ducks are completely ridiculous. Plot of the Mighty Ducks. We're supposed to be making the best. I, the reason that yours will, is the best. Without talking, to, we can tear I will down get each to, other's. I will get to mine in a second. But let's just examine. This is the Joe Biden. Uh, this is the Joe Biden pit. Mine's good because the others are bad. <laughs> let's just examine the situations. A lawyer gets a DUI and has to do community service. And his community service is coaching a hockey team whose equipment are literally made of garbage. Would never happen. On top of that. Then they're going to band together and they're going to beat the very best team in the league and they're going to win this one game. Would never happen. And on top of that, he's going to he's going to date the main kid's mom. That's and not fair because they went on one date. It was not established that they were dating and well, she got remarried by the Well, he was asking for rooms in her house. So obviously yes, it was it not her house. It was a fictional house, you idiot. You haven't seen the movie. It's just <laughs> Okay. Like, why don't you focus on The premise three? of D1 is ridiculous because that would never happen. In D2, but that's the premise of the D3. whole underdog and story. I'm going to get happen. there. Okay. The premise of D2, this under, under this underdog team 
goes on and all of a sudden gets chosen to represent their nation as a hockey team. At the Goodwill Games, it's not the Olympics. At some international games is ridiculous. Why would they choose a club hockey team instead of, you know, the best players from all sorts of different places? They were from different places. We arrive at D3, colon, The Mighty Ducks, a perfect film. And in this film, given the, pre- the circumstances, if you were told as the headmaster of a school, hey, there are these really good hockey players who just won an international hockey tournament. Do you want to give them all scholarships to become our new junior varsity team? Your answer is a resounding yes. And that, my friends, is a believable scenario. Whereas mm. your two scenarios to enter the film were not believable. Question. So start off. Really quick question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jay, did you go to prep school on an athletic scholarship? I did not. No. Huh. Actually, did up, you? I did. Yeah, oh. I did. It is not often that you can secure, how many of them are there? Like 12? You do not give 12 JV players in the same sport full rides to a boarding school. And if you do, you're taking advantage in some way of those kids who probably would be better off splitting up and pursuing different opportunities Can and I learning about who Hold they on, are as yet. people. If you do, say what for whatever reason that happens, you can absolutely not legally or morally Take away. revoke those yes. without cause yes. in the middle of the first semester. Well, yes. That's what they learned thanks to the extraordinary legal um, work of one yes, Gordon Bombay. Yes, but you argue that the varsity team has every right to be mad at the JV team because they're these new kids that come in and some of them, like that main character, Skip or whatever, had <laughs> a younger brother who lost a scholarship because No, he didn't ducks. lose a scholarship. He just lost his place on the hockey team. Which, well, again, why wouldn't they have tryouts for JV? I don't understand. Here's the thing. If you, if that you're your not, here's the thing that you're not understanding. People are these, riding these horses around a campus the is more believable. Team. These guys just beat the Icelandic team at the Goodwill not Games, a which is very difficult to a t- do. A country, again, that has two ice rinks in it entirely at the time of this film. Also, they were other, saying is- they were other twelve-year-olds. Like the the hockey, the in high school, you can make up a team that's between fourteen to eighteen-year-olds. So you're probably going to have more older people on it. So you're not necessarily just going to take all the best fourteen-year-olds. Like you're going to have a tryout and mix and match all the best players. All right, Ashley. Here's my issue with the, the second film: mm. is the treatment of women is so flippant in bad. so many different ways that mm-hmm. make me very uncomfortable. And I'd love you to explain to me why a relationship is established between the head coach of the USA team and the trainer, the female trainer of the Icelandic team, but then never resolved or finished in any way, only for the coach to then date slash kind of kiss the teacher who's in charge of making sure that these children are being taken care of and that their education is being treated as a priority. Sure, I'd be happy to address that for you. So <laughs> the first lady, whose name I'm not sure we know, um, I, that's more my point. I will take that point. Thank you. <laughs> um, she was introduced as a way for to represent um, Gordon's infidelity, perceived infidelity to the team. Like in the way that he was sarcastic and said, they're a bunch of losers who don't deserve to live. Like they are now perceiving Gordon having ice cream. So you're with arguing this woman. a woman is a plot device. What plot device is Gordon Bombay? Does he get was. to be his own character? The same way Hans was a plot device that you said earlier. So the so the elderly I've and women like are treated as the elderly it and women good. are just treated as disposable parts of the plot, and they're not developed as their own character. Yes. What do you say? To, what say you? I think I think yes. You're absolutely correct, and that trend starts in the first film, your film. 
that's where it starts. We're just taking what you did with Hans. It's absolutely a plot device. Hans in the first film is a guiding light for Gordon Bombay who (laughs) needs it. He needs to be reminded of his childhood. And as we see in the first film, all he has of his father is one flashback of one day that he was out on the ice with his dad wearing a scarf and his dad came and visited him. And we are told over and over that they had a very close relationship. And yet he can only remember one day they spent together and it was the dad saying he needs to come inside now. So I'm not really sure uh, that your point stands because Hans is clearly the father figure that replaced his father for Gordon Bombay. And Gordon Bombay has lost his way by becoming this lawyer who only cares about winning. He's turned into the man that he hates. And so Hans is there to remind him, to be like, come on, dude, come on, dude, and coax him along. I argued that Hans is reduced in the future films to merely a plot device. And I think this is showed crystal clear in your film, so I'm glad you bring it up, because he's replaced by a man with a not even real name, Jan, which is just a thing you do when you're tired, which the plot is at this point. And they never address it. It's one throwaway line. And then the next movie, it's Hans again, and then they kill him. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing that's important about Jan. He's Hans's brother. Hans went back to Sweden to spend time with their mother. And so Jan is watching the shop while Hans is gone. Mm. That's, we learned that. You know what? With like you one buy or two that? sentences, yeah, brotherly love. We get a lot. Else. We get a lot of very uh, significant plot points with one or two sentences. So then, Jan is is a careless brother who doesn't care for his mom. So why is this man now He's the actually more a very of this caring film? brother by oh. allowing for his yeah. brother? Yes, but he's not America. a caring son. He's not caring. Visit. He's not a caring. Well, he's with son. the mom all the time, and he's yeah. he's letting. We his cannot just. Go you guys are taking. You guys are just completely okay with taking the properties of Hans and just transferring and projecting them onto his brother Jan, even though they are clearly two individuals who make different decisions, as is evidenced by the fact that Hans goes back to take care of his mom and Mm -hmm. Jan does not do that. So why do we get to keep him as that same moral compass for the team and for the children? Here's the thing. I will let you don't know, you know anything about Jan. What's his we, background? So Jan closes the the sports shop for the first time in history so that he can go to LA and remind Gordon that his hair looks stupid. A fantastic <laughs> argument to make, which brings up for me that he was supposed to stay and watch that shop so that Hans could take care of his mother. So the fact that he closed the shop, something Hans could have done when he went to go you know take care of his means? mother, it means, means that, that he, he does values, not put family first. No, he values his moral compass more than he values capitalism. No, it means which that is he wants the entire roast, point of the second film. To roast mm-hmm. a man for his garbage haircut, and he, he finds bits more important than withholding holding up the agreement he made with his brother to keep his business alive. That shop of- is a Waffle House. It does not close, and when it closes. <laughs> something's wrong and that something can't be a haircut no something the thing that's wrong is gordon bombay's moral compass and he's going to put it back a phone in the call. right direction make a phone call they Jan. don't do you the... have a business to watch i i, I, I firmly believe that Jan called hans beforehand cleared it with him and hans was what like you should you absolutely Why do you because think they're close that? brothers i know that's that. not fair you're giving him uh, i have a question properties that were not explained Go ahead, in the plot. Jay. katie can you tell me the last time a uh recreational peewee hockey coach was offered to try out for the AHL because he coached really well? I'm glad you asked that question. Thank you, Jay. Sorry, Ashley, go ahead. I was going to say it's because he had an in with Mike Madono. 
he was like, I know a guy in the minors if you ever want to try it. Jay, Ashley makes a great point. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. And he happened to run into Mike Madonna. Mike Madonna was like, oh yeah, this guy's pretty good. And through the grapevine, he was now front of mind. And when they, they needed somebody to go to the AHL, there was Gordon Bombay. And look, I find it really suspect that you think that a man doesn't deserve a second chance in his life. But I guess you would say that as the guy defending a movie in which children playfully qu- crawl under a table to look up girls' skirts. Wow. I, I mean, it's the movie that you're defending. Ap- it's the movie you're saying is the best movie in the franchise. I think that scene should be removed. Well, that's not, it's, this isn't revisionist history, Jay. You have to stand by the movie. I really should take it out. It doesn't have anything to it the It does movie. not add a single thing to the <laughs> film. It just makes it terribly problematic, and I don't stand so for weird. it. Um, and I don't appreciate being associated with it. Well, I think you are, so you're defending that film. Because <laughs> he well, has I'm, to. I'm, I'm, a, I'm defending the film I was assigned. Now. We're doing a bit. <laughs> I know, but I feel like we have to wrap it up because this podcast is eight hours long. No, we have more to talk about. I know we haven't. Well, we didn't make them. a decision. Is the I know. problem? That's kind what if of we, what we can do. we put out a poll and make people vote? It's a good idea. I think so. Look, I say vote movie number one because it's the original. It's the purest. It makes the most sense. It's sure it's silly, but these are movies, and I think we can all agree that all three of our movies have parts of their plot that are like that doesn't make any sense. But I think the one that makes the most sense is the first one. I also think that if you were to watch them all again, you would remember that maybe you were more excited about two because there were these new things and three was this crazy new plot with lots more hijinks. But that first movie is the best movie because it has everything you need in one film. It makes you root for all of the characters. They all grow and develop, except maybe Goldberg. And it (laughs) becomes, it is this wonderful, pure, perfect little story um, that I think you should vote Mighty Ducks won. Didn't we already do our closing arguments? That was just, I wanted, another one. if you didn't want to take your opportunity to, that's fine. So we'll put it to a vote. Okay. I think that's a great idea. Also, Guy Germain, best hockey player on the team. (laughs) Unsung hero. Honestly. Unsung hero. (laughs) Jay, I feel like I got a stall because you don't seem ready, but why don't you go? Okay. I'm just waiting for you to vamp. Hit the voicemail, dude. All right. Hi, Katie, Ashley, and Jay. This is Lauren. I am currently feeding my eight-month-old son, Oliver. Uh, About 30 seconds ago, uh, my husband and I broke out into uh, singing Part of Your World (laughs) from um, The Little Mermaid, and Oliver promptly stopped eating and started screaming and crying (laughs) until we stopped singing. My question to you is, what song would make you stop what you were doing immediately to uh, scream and cry until said song was stopped. Mine is Lean On Me. Uh, Love you. Mean it. Uh, Thanks for your show. We love it. Bye. We got to learn something from Lauren, which is that you can just give your answer and move on. We always feel like we have to defend our takes and Lauren's just like, mine's lean on me. Bye. (laughs) So Lauren, love you. Mean it. And I appreciate that. I didn't prep, so I don't know, but I know there is one. Also, I want to bring up, Ashley, this reminds me of the fact that every time you sing, Austin goes, Mom, no! <laughs> no singing! Very, very funny. I know it's it. hurtful, but it's very funny. The only thing I am allowed to do is the Zazu parts, and I just can't wait to be king. We do Ooh. it last night. We crush it, yeah. My song is uh, Hotel California. Bye! <laughs> I've made you listen to that on road trips, and you didn't say anything. Not out loud. Sick. Wow. That's, you should have screamed and cried until it stopped. <laughs> Seems like an easy I mean, I can explain solution. why. No, it's okay. Quickly, if you want. If you, why? Because it's so good. 
No, it's, there's, have you ever, like, you know, when certain people annoy you, it can go in like mountains and valleys. And like, there's one person, a coworker from forever ago, was at like a peak of, I was just so annoyed with him. And we all went out to a bar and we were doing karaoke and he picked that song and he did like a bit and it's so long and he was so irritating to me that now I cannot hear that song without just being instantly irritated and wanting to like smash something. Yeah, that's actually a good mm-hmm. explanation. It's forever mm-hmm. associated now with that. Now you have a coworker night. who likes it, but all right, Jay. <laughs> uh, I don't ever want to hear Sweet Home Alabama ever again. It's a it's, good one. I've heard it enough. That's a good, that reminds me of, uh, of, of one for me, I think is that Red Solo Cup song. Because when I was bartending, all the kids would play it and it would be, they'd be like, oh my God, it's my song. And you're just like, that's not original. But I was going to say, don't stop believing. Mm. Mm. Which, yeah. you know, was originally a good song. And then it just is too, it's dead now. Yep. And it, the sound, when it starts, I'm just like, oh God. Yeah. And everybody does the thing where they're like, I love this and you're like okay all right it's just i don't if i never heard it again i'd be okay i can imagine working in a bar that you must yeah Yeah. you just hear those same songs and everybody looks at each other like oh my god christine that's the song you're like okay it's there was you were you were jennifer last week and it was the same react like this is not your song everybody (laughs) loves this dumb fucking song so anyway that's it that's it that's it. And bye. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. That's it for this week's edition of Sports. Shout out to Indeed, Brooklyn, and Coors Light, and Quip. That's right. We're the podcast that adds sponsors in quarantine. Let's go. <laughs> um, and shout out to the ESPN Daily. You can listen to every day wherever you get your podcast. It will let you know what day it is if you don't know. And big thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, this was a pretty long one. So since we're going to ask you to vote, let's say you got to listen to this one twice, again, on two different platforms. And then make sure you vote, which we'll put out on the Reddit. Yeah, let's have it on Reddit. Which is, uh, the subreddit is reddit.com slash r slash sports question mark. Yeah. All spelled out, sports question mark. Um, in the, or you can always leave a nice review wherever you're listening to this podcast, which we read and we love them. Like this one from Stormtrooper Finn that says, <laughs> started listening to this podcast in February, then went back and listened to every episode since the beginning. I can enjoy listening to these folks discuss any topic, which is good since sports aren't always on the agenda. With Katie bringing the funny, Ashley bringing the heart, and Jay bringing something also. I love the cage and I mean that. <laughs> I also love you and we mean it. And lastly, don't forget that you can always leave us a voicemail. Where is the ha coming from? I just get. Eight six zero five zero six five five seven. Number. Say goodbye, Ashley. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Jay. Bye. Bye. Love you. Mean it.